Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, sportscasters, stratocasters, gamma ray blasters, rapper dudes named bastards, bad rats, bashers, Famicom exclusive memory mappers, plaster casters, and horror film slashers, we're the podcast masters. This is the Soxcast episode 11. Suck on it. I am your host, Polly, and to my immediate virtual right is a man who wishes Fantasy Star Online 2 didn't suck a big old nutsack. It's right. <laughs> Hi. You ever think about that sometimes? I think about Fantasy Star 2 every day. But do you ever think about how it just, like, sucks a big nutsack, though? And not even the balls, just, like, a big, like, <laughs> like a lot of nutsacks. Like, can you imagine, like, Fantasy Star Online 2 setting itself down in front, nope. of, this, in front of this big <laughs> old bowl of, like, just flayed out and just, like, you know, these big flaps <laughs> of gross... Uh, like skin with a little bit of hair on it just kind of poking out everywhere and it's just they're all folded all on top of each other how would you describe fantasy star universe (laughs) in this bowl (laughs) and then like and then like pso2 and then pso2 universe is like five of those (laughs) and then pso2 puts its face down in the bowl and just goes do you ever think about that nope because that's a really gross thought and i'm really kind of upset that you're the one that brought it up right i'm sorry you, Jeez, should, you really need to adhere to some of the standards and practices we have here at the Sox cast in our high level of entertainment value and, and, and quality children's programming. This is a PG-rated podcast. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how are you doing, Rhett? Doing good. Doing good? Awesome. It's good to <laughs> yep. hear. I guess it's, it's always a simple answer with you. I like that. Yep. I mean, you're not one for banter or trying to keep a show cohesive <laughs> or moving in any forward direction. It's like you're just like you're just like Mr. <laughs> Mr. Brickwall. Like, yep, I'm good. This makes things makes things easier when I move over to the man on my immediate left. If you blow him a kiss, he'll blow you to pieces. It's John Fire. Hi. How's it going, John? I'm doing really, 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 really well. Are you? Yeah. Any specific reason, or are you just doing really well? I'm just feeling great all across the board. You just you. Just, you just kind of always are, though. I mean, I guess that's the well, really... Well, I just ate cake and ice cream. I'm really jealous, honestly. A lot of honestly. cake and ice cream. I'm it was honestly, very tasty. Honestly, really jealous of that. Excuse honestly, me. <clears throat> really, no, I think Rhett is pretty jealous, too. Super well, jealous. yeah, it's cake and ice cream. But don't ever eat them together, because I think that's kind of gross. Like, I don't like... I got I a had weird cake then ice cream. I got a weird thi- I got a weird thing where I cannot stand like certain textures of food. Like just the texture of it will make me barf even if I like the taste. Like like scrambled eggs, like I like the way they taste, but like the texture just like yo dog barf bag time. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Anna just showed me how to make actual scrambled eggs that are, aren't terrible. Like I Every scrambled eggs I've ever had are like super dry and gross. And then today she just mixed it with cream and there you cooked go. it in butter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is actually worth a damn. Make your omelets like that, dog. Oh, that's smart. There you go. That's really smart. That's how I make omelets. That's brilliant. Isn't it? Isn't it? It's brilliant. Cool. Well, 
I guess I've wasted enough time trying to be social <laughs> with you two social rejects. Uh, so I guess it's time for us to have a podcast. And since I've only really done like one thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna be weird this week, and I'm gonna start us out. How's that? Sure. How's that cool. for jumping the fucking shark? This is 2015. You know, we got to do something fresh and original, and I, you know, that's what we're doing now. So. Anybody else besides me watch some awesome games done quick uh, a couple of weeks ago? I watched a ton of that. I did as well. How about you, I John? I watched a bit of that. Did you? Yeah. Uh, so what are some specific things that uh, jumped out to both of you? Um, I really liked the runs that had developers call in. Yeah, uh, the, oh, Shovel Knight, cool. the Shovel Knight uh, run was particularly awesome for that. Yeah. Uh, they Bleed Pixels had... Didn't it? Yeah, they yeah. They had a developer there, and they had a really great runner on that game. Like, I yeah. can't believe somebody made that game look playable. I can't believe how smooth and fluid they looked, especially in the first half when it was easier. Yeah, and and even the second half where that game just says "f you, buddy." <laughs> yeah, like they made that game look like the game I wanted it to be. And mm-hmm. like, how did you do that? Is he playing some kind of version where it's got an actual number of buttons to make this game playable? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I also really liked the uh, Battle Block Theater run. That was really good. They had Stamper, the voice actor who does, like, the narration call-in. Mm-hmm. And I remember there's one part where they're talking about, like, a bug in the game that causes the narrator to go quiet for a while. <laughs> so, they're, so they're like, oh, yeah, the narrator won't be talking for a while. Oh, no, yeah, that's and then, right. And then Stamper just goes, <laughs> oh, don't worry, I'm still here. <laughs> Just perfect timing. It perfect really pitch timing. Yeah, that that was. I like those runs that aren't necessarily for the speed, but like the runner or the developers are really good at keeping it entertaining. Yeah, yeah, those runs do kind of live or die by the commentary. On yeah, the couch. yeah. They had a lot of good couch commentary this year. I had heard that like they had sectioned off the audience um, from the streaming room to kind of try to keep the couch commentary consistent. And a lot of people kind of thought that that took a lot of the energy away from the event. But I thought that, I mean, I, I'm the kind of person that I, I kind of tune in cause I just want to see the speed runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, and, and having seen a lot of speed runners, um, and follow a lot of speed runners, I know that there's a lot of great, you know, there's a big well of personality there that doesn't need to be overshadowed by people yelling memes in the audience or, you know, things that don't really need to be there. So I thought that uh, it was actually, like, the presentation was exceptionally good this time around. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Anything else uh, specifically jump out at either of you two? I watched the Mario 2J run. That was impressive. Yeah, it was. It, it was also impressive. also how he's just at the beginning, like, all right, I'm going to take pause for like a minute here and get infinite lives because I'm going to die a bunch because yeah. that's just what this game is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was really funny. And uh, just the, how much the more dude casual that, it is the dude that was running. Uh, there was somebody actually fucking real time ran Kaizo, Kaizo oh. Mario World. Oh, yeah, that was... That was insane. <clears throat> and he was using a uh, a 99 lives code, so... Yeah. I think... Yeah. He had 99 dudes. 99 one-mans. Yeah. <laughs> I think Kaizo might give you those at the start, because... Oh, does it? I, I had no heard idea. that I it just... was a code, but, uh, you know, you can't believe everything you read, I guess. Um, 
the Ninja Gaiden relay race. Come oh, on. Oh, how did we forget that? How did we how did we not bring up the Ninja Gaiden relay race, which I think was the the best thing to happen yeah. the whole event. Mm-hmm. Like I absolutely. should watch that. That one literally was like fucking like do a photo finish. It's that it was that close. And all and like all six runners were just so freaking good that they were clearly at the top of their game and that was just the incredible run of the entire event. Um, the Dark Souls 2 run was really good, too. Yeah, Dark Souls 2 was fun because that, that was broken. That, that game is so weirdly broken. Uh, and and I, he wasn't really running... Like, the, the first dude that actually did the first run, which was just, I think it was like any percent all bosses or yeah. something... No, it was just any percent, but it was the patched version of the game where you can't just, like, clip through. Yeah, you can't, like, use the binoculars to, uh... Super dash. Yeah, to super dash into the air and shit. Um, but you could still, like... I guess you could still roll over enemies and, like, get out of bounds. No, the first one was pretty straightforward. What they do is they get a million souls by farming the rotten. That's right, yeah. You new game plus times, uh, for the, uh... What's his name? The one boss that sucks. Oh, wait, that's all of them in Dark Souls 2. <laughs> <clears throat> the Butcher? No. It's the, the Rotten. Wretched? The Rotten? Yeah. The Nine Inch Nails song in the making? <laughs> it's funny, because last time I saw Dark Souls speedruns that weren't, you know, clipping through everything, they were actually farming Old Iron King four times to get a million souls. Yeah, so it's I... interesting to see the route just completely change. Yeah. Where they're just going down a totally different spoke in that game to rush through it yeah that 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 game like as much as i really don't like dark souls 2 it looks incredible speed run um it, it looks just craziness um, every time i see that game though i'm like oh yeah i really like dark souls 2 and then they reach the end game in like the castle and shrine of amana and i'm like oh yeah oh, dark souls right. 2 dark souls 2 yeah just I don't like the end game of that game. And like that final boss that is literally nothing. <laughs> she has one thing that can actually kill you and it's stupid easy to avoid. Um, it doesn't Demon Souls have like a trivial final boss as like but for story reasons. Okay, Demon Souls has a trivial boss that you like can't actually die to. Uh-huh. Dark Souls 2 just has a really easy Weird, final dumb boss. final boss. All right, but yeah. So in Demon to- Souls it's purposeful. Yeah, in cool. Dark Souls 2, it's supposed to be a boss, and it's just incredibly easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think in Demon's Souls, you, like, fight the fake king, and he's, like, a real final boss where you're, like, dodging yeah. around. It's super hard. And then you fight the real king, and he's just, like, this old thing. Ugh. Yeah, he's, I remember like, watching my brother beat it, and it was really neat. Yeah, the final boss is not supposed to be. I did, like, I did like that one trick, um... In the glitched uh, Dark Souls 2 run, where the dude just completely fucked up Nashandra's AI, and she just did nothing. That was really weird. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, because it's like, well, it's not like the boss is any easier, because she couldn't possibly get any easier unless you just turned her AI off, and well, that's what you did. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just love how that game shipped so broken, where equipping the binoculars and doing something makes you run like 300% faster and then he's just clipping through the walls by rolling over enemies like what the hell is going on not to mention um like the weapon degradation uh being fucked at uh 60 frames a second because like your weapons like they die two times as fast (laughs) because of the frame rate Oh, a lot of ports really mess up that whole 60 frames a second thing with regards to like 
weapon variables and weird collision problems that yeah. they don't that they check for in a 30 frames per second environment but not a 60 hmm. frames per yeah. second I thought about going back and setting up some of my old games to 60 but the logistics of trying to find everything in half oh, the yeah. time it takes to do everything just sounded terrible yeah it would just like really literally just t- it would really mess up things like collision and mm-hmm. it just sounds like quite a bother so I'm just gonna keep making them in 60 from now on and just not worry about it. Yeah. Funny thing. So one of my earlier games is 20 frames a second because Flash was really weak back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I should bump this up to 60, but then I'm looking at the actual variables and it's like, oh, I'd have to multiply everything by three. Oh, but a lot of this is like relying on multiples of five to work. So oh, God. that's not going to happen at all. <laughs> Wow. Didn't you um, multiply it by when didn't you do it anyway and then it was more fun because it was faster? No, Mike Man I was able to upgrade because it went from 50 to 15 to 30. Uh-huh. But Project N3 is like 20 to 60 I'd want to do. So it's uh-huh. just that's not going to work. Happen now. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah. yeah, that game kind of will remain unplayable. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, what you going to do? Just go to 2 and 3. Yeah. Three is practically a remake, anyways. Yeah, it really is, and it's Star Fox. Oh yeah, that's that's the <laughs> new Rhett game. loves that. Project N three three is the new game that John needs to play in twenty fifteen. Oh, that's still Dark Souls. Okay, Dark I'll Souls. play that eventually. Eh. He'll never. Is it really play good it. though? No, it sucks. Okay. Why would you waste your time? Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm thinking like with all the terrible games that John likes, we should just be like, we should just have this total revolt against Dark Souls. She'd be like, no, it's terrible. You gotta, like, it's barely playable. You, like, you attack and your attacks are so slow. God, it's terrible and unplayable. <laughs> Who'd want to play that garbage? And you die a lot and you the game doesn't li- tell you where to go and you can totally fuck yourself with some parts. God. Ooh. It's oh, kind damn, of a it's, saga. It. That actually really, that really works. Wow. Dark saga. It's funny. Boner is playing through Dark Souls right now, and me and Polly are just like, I hope he doesn't do this and fuck himself. Uh, when, he, when, really when, I, when I saw that he ascended his weapon to Raw, I was like, oh no! Why'd you do that? Boner, I know you're listening. Why'd you do that? <laughs> Don't you want that me. sweet scale? I think it was the Claymore, too, which has really good scaling. Oh. That's a real bummer! Nah, just get this Y-hander, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this, what like, were we talking about? Dark Souls. Dark Souls. Okay, how do we even get there? Awesome games done quick. Did oh, yeah. Wow, run. that was a while ago. <laughs> you should watch that Ninja Gaiden run, though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the Ninja Gaiden relay race was dope. Um, even the Final Fantasy VII run, which I, I think speedruns of oh. RPGs are typically boring as hell. That mm. was so stupid. <laughs> it was stupid, but I thought it was entertaining enough to just be like oh okay and it's like, oh wait you're using multiple save files to achieve a trick here okay um, <laughs> it, was, it was like he plays the first two hours of the game normally then warps to the end I'm like wait what <laughs> a was, trick only works in the PC version though yeah huh so it's kind of gray areas I'd say yeah it's it it was a weird run but I was entertained throughout I think uh uh, anything else uh, immediately jumping out at you, or that really kind of all the bases? I think. Oh, there was that Metal Gear DLC. Metal oh Gear yeah, Classic. that was crazy. 
Somebody did the DLC for Metal Gear Rising in 10 minutes real time. Yeah, that was just... What? And There's I think some... they did it on Revengeance mode? I don't know, maybe. It didn't seem to really matter, because he was just, like, one-shotting everything. Yeah, yeah. It was... Yeah, that's another that's another good run to watch, and it's very economical and time-wise, because it it's literally just 10 minutes of just like, well, that's it. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that how fast that was because that was the DLC that probably took me like two hours to get through originally. Damn! With cutscenes and stuff like gameplay wise, there's an achievement for beating it in an hour. Yeah. So that's how fast the devs expect you to go, and he does it in ten minutes real time. I'm like, holy shit! That was just wow. And then there's a Vanquish one-handed run I didn't watch yet. Oh, that was really good too. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's watch that. It's good. <laughs> Don't even see how that's possible. He, he did well. He did play on easy. Oh, and that game is still. that game's significantly harder on normal. Uh, uh, but it's still impressive. It sort of reminds me of um, what's his name, Johan Howitzer uh, at um, Summer Games Done Quick last year. He did um, uh, one player, two controllers run of the Lost Vikings. Oh yeah, that, that was, was so great. good. That was so good. That, that dude's really awesome. He tends to speedrun a lot of RPGs, and by speed, I think you could take that term very loosely because it's always yeah. shit. It's always shit like Xenosaga and Final Fantasy X, which, oh. like, the speedruns of those are, like, 26 hours. It's like, Ooh, think, thrilling. Yeah, it, it's a good thing that the guy's a good commentator. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there was the Tetris stuff, too. Oh, my. My brain broke at that point. It's like, like, after watching that, I just had to go lie down. Dude played invisible fucking Tetris. God. And he had to to sustain it. He, like, okay, first he had to get a Grandmaster ranking, which, like, requires, like, just this steep hill of requirements. And it's, like, eight minutes of pure torture of, like, near instantaneous block drops. And just, like, never failing a single block drop and, like, Tetrises out the ass? Yeah, it, like, counts how many Tetrises you get in order to keep progressing. Yeah, and and when you complete the mode, which is getting 999 lines, or uh, completing, or, no, it's just reaching level 199, which basically every block drop is a level up. Mm-hmm. So, like, you've dropped, and, and, like, Tetris's will give you four levels. You know, so everything gives you one point. So, after that, which it takes about eight minutes, the board fades out, and the credit sequence starts, and Tetris pieces, like, are falling on this new board, and you have to play it, like, completely blind. Because they disappear as soon as <clears throat> they land. And and, just... and you can't memorize like you can't just memorize the credit sequence because like they randomize the names and the positions <laughs> that pop up. That's really silly too. That's just mean. Uh, and yeah, dude, just like endured like nine minutes straight of hell, and, and I think that might have been his first victory there, which I think was why he was so excited. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think he had ever um, achieved that rating. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I don't fact check anything because we're a podcast yeah. that doesn't fact check. Even so, it was amazing. Having yeah, it was done it, live. Just watch that entire hour um, of the Tetris block if you can, 
because it'll blow your freaking mind. These people are, they're fucking telepathic. Yeah, they're like, oh, when I first saw the uh, invisible Tetris thing, it took two months of practice till I could do it. Like, this is some dedicated shit they're doing here. Yeah, it's just, wow. I I cannot imagine, like, getting up every day and looking at that Tetris arcade machine and being like, (laughs) all right, got to grind it out some more. Another eight minutes of hell just to get through this, just to get to this one minute thing. And then they're talking about, they're saying, like, only eight people in Japan have done, like, the Grandmaster on the third game. Yeah, yeah. And, like, none of them are even (laughs) remotely close to that level yet. Yeah, it's just, Jesus Christ. Big they up. made the they made the first one playable, so they made it ten times harder. Yeah. So like big ups to those guys and big ups to AGDQ all around. One point five million dollars for some really good. Oh, that's so cool for some. You know, it's a really good cause. You know, good stuff. They did yeah. great runs. I am eagerly anticipating summer games done quick already. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, oh, Taskbot. Oh my god. The ro- Oh my god. So, <laughs> before we close out the AGDQ stuff, we gotta talk about Taskbot. John, did you see Taskbot? Uh, no. What's that? Tool-assisted speedrun bot. Uh, it's a robot. What? It's, just, it's Rob the Robot, and, and they, they, perform, they perform tool-assisted speedruns on real hardware. But the, the, the real gimmick <clears throat> uh, this year... Was that they they were playing they were they were doing uh, a task of Super Mario World, and they got the game to execute arbitrary code through the controller ports. Oh, I saw that. And oh, they that programmed Super Mario Brothers One into <laughs> Super Mario World on the fucking well, wait. fly. Wait, wait, Super Mario One? I thought it was just tet- like Pong. No, that that was last year. That was last year. Uh, this year they programmed oh. Mario One into oh. Super Mario World. And it played and looked just like the NES game. What? And then, for their ama- <laughs> their amazing second trick, uh, which, which Pokemon game was it? Green? Or it's, yellow? I don't know. One of the first ones. It's one blue. of the first few Pokemon games. But they used a Super Game Boy, and they, got, they performed the same trick by getting the game to um, execute proprietary code um and they brought up twitch chat on a fucking super game boy what which was which 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 okay for one that is immediately just like mind-blowing in and of itself two they should have thought about that first because as soon as, as soon as they did it the most vile shit just appeared on the screen. I think the second time they did it, they actually programmed a filter. It was way oh, better wow. the second time. But yeah, you need to go watch the Taskbot blocks from AGDQ because what the hell? This was all on real hardware too. This isn't just emulator stuff. This is all on real hardware, and they're just using this robot that they built to execute code through controller ports. Um, and it was simply amazing. Um, just the Jesus. Sec- the second time they did it, they had an extra layer where the camera was accepting inputs from the Twitch chat in the Super Game Boy. Yeah, and they were moving the camera around. So people were <laughs> typing, like, up and left, zoom, in, out, to get the camera to move. Like, And it had voice chat the second time they brought it out as well. That was wacky shit. It's just <laughs> like, what? 
So yeah, AGDQ, really just freaking mind-blowing this year. Um, I think we're all in anticipation for SGDQ, like I said, though. Um, And big ups to those guys for all the effort they put in. And Yeah, that's good stuff. It's amazing how much that thing has grown. It is. It's it's practically a convention now. Um, <clears throat> and I guess that's really, you know, sort of becoming a problem with, like, too many people that aren't runners getting in, and it's kind of just, like, not mixing well. Because I saw some videos of some, of some gigantic douchebag backstage just kind of bothering people. And he's yeah. like, I'm here at AGDQ. Look at how awesome I am, YouTube. And, like, one of the people, one of the, and it was like, in the practice area where these guys are, you know, practicing to like for their runs for charity, and like one of the dudes was literally like, "Yo, leave me alone! You're bothering me." And it's just <laughs> God. Like, yeah. So yeah, I, I imagine that they're going to have to either staff up that event more, um, or probably try to keep out, you know, people that aren't runners, which I guess kind of sucks. But at the same time, you know, business is business. You know what you're, yeah. Doing. Yeah. you know, you're there to do a thing. It's fun to have people to hang out with and you know get that close to that awesome of an event. But I guess at some point you've kind of got to pull the reins in. <clears throat> Yeah, it just seems like if only just a few years ago, it was like 20 people on a couch. Yeah. And it's just, it's huge now. Like, Classic Games Done Quitch was like 12 hours, um, and it was like five dudes in a room at MAGFest. <laughs> <clears throat> and now, like, I think this year they had like 800 people there. Oh jeez! Yeah, I wow. think I think that's what Gr- <laughs> I think that's what Grimm said. Uh, I think that she said there were, because she went, um, and I think she said there were like 800 people there. Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, that's that's crazy, and I would not want the headache of trying to put something like that <laughs> together. So if it was up to me, I'd just be like, runners only, everybody get the hell out. <laughs> yeah. I know people were pumped about like new rules, like oh no plushies on the couch or whatever because that's always like and, and that was sort of at runner's discretion from what i've read yeah uh, that like but you know you wouldn't have like a remu hanging around just <laughs> all the whole damn event which was but, which was yeah. really funny <clears throat> but that, if there's that, like almost a thousand people there like you gotta you gotta clamp down yeah, a bit yeah i would definitely like i I don't know what their solution is. I just hope that they find one that's good for the community and the viewers and the people that want to be closer to something like this. Um, I do think maybe the runners should get priority, though, because oh, they're the definitely. ones that can happen. Definitely, definitely. Um, I would hope that that's the case, too, that the runners are getting priority and it's not just, like, who got in first, because that would just be real shitty to people who are really doing the real work. So that's AGDQ. It was awesome. Um, yeah. I played a video game. I only played one. You played a video game. I played what was the a video game? game. I played South Park The Stick of Truth. And <laughs> I, I will preface this by saying in recent years I've kind of fallen off the wayside as it relates to South Park. And it's sort of like wishy-washy middle ground, uh, you know, having, you know, on a lot of topics... The political commentary. <laughs> yeah, the political commentary, I feel, has gotten a little overbearing at this point. It's like, you know, we get it, you know. It's like, I, Everybody's shitty. There is nobody good in the world. It's like, it's like <laughs> my problem with it is like, yeah, okay, if everybody, you know, everybody's shitty, but if you're still going to be shitty to 
a group of people that is oppressed, you're kind of just doubling down on what they have to deal with, and the other side is just getting the laugh out of it. So, I mean, if that yeah. makes sense. If you're being yeah. shitty to everybody equally, then you're still you're, basically you're still supporting get, you're, the status quo. Yeah, you're just like you're just adding a layer of shittiness in the pop culture spectrum that people are just going to use against you know that group of people. You know, it's like, oh, great, now we have a South Park episode where it's like, it's okay for, you know, you to call random people faggot. It's like, oh, that's really super good, because, you know, it's not like the one side of this argument doesn't already face that, but now you are t- you have a TV show that's basically telling people, oh, it's funny and okay to do that. That's our yeah. cool, fun joke meme. Um, Which is exactly <clears throat> what people do. They will, like, literally link vi- South Park episodes Ugh. as, yeah. like, explanations for them being hateful. Yeah, yeah. But um, despite all of that, uh, South Park The Stick of Truth is a really damn good game. Uh, And it doesn't really touch on those political issues. It does, um, like, this game actually feels a lot like a season one through four kind of episode um, of South Park, where it's just rooted in complete absurdity. Um, and it really just makes reference to a lot of the funnier, like, gags that they've had over the years. It's a bit of a Greatest Hits compilation, but it's still got its own funny, crazy, silly story that I think is mostly enjoyable. There were a couple of things I thought were kind of gross and probably didn't need to be in there. Um, but, um... You know, storyline aside, well, not really aside, I just think that it's it's really well told, it's really well acted, obviously, because you've got the creators of the show on board, and to, to Matt Stone and Trey Parker's credit, they wanted this game to be um, the qu- a quality that would live up to the show, and like what comes through first when you immediately see that game is that it looks like an episode of South Park. You know, this game is not a game that runs at 60 frames a second. It, it is like 24 frames a second and choppily animated, just like the show, which, like, I look at that That's art style. Really clever. I look at that art style and have to ask, like, why did we waste all of this time on trying to make 3D South Park games when, like, it looks like that 2D style would have been way more emulatable when you look back at, like, that shitty mm-hmm. South Park N64 game? Yeah, it's, that is quite weird. Everyone was just in love with 3D back then, though. But it's, like, that's not, like, a look that goes into 3D well at all because there's just there's nothing there to really substantiate that. Um, but what you've got is basically this cool little, like, I guess you would say Paper Mario-style RPG. Uh, it's got a little bit of open-worldiness to it, because there are this game has tons of side quests to engage with, and uh, they're all pretty good. I, I found myself enjoying a ton of, this, uh, of the game's side content, um, despite the fact that I'm not typically the kind of person that really likes that stuff anymore. Um... But uh, the, the, the hooks that it, you know, gets into you, if you're a fan of South Park or you ever were at any point, there are enough hooks here that, 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 that tug on those old strings in really clever and new ways um, that really make exploring the world and just, like, engaging uh, with all of the characters just really fun. And, um, like, the actual RPG-ness and the combat itself is... Like, surprisingly, like, I'm not going to say it's deep, but it's a lot more strategic than you would expect it to be. 
Uh, it's a game where the battles can be as difficult as they want them to be because at the end of each battle you're given a full heal anyway. So every battle has sort of the potential to be one that could be really difficult. Um, I would also suggest playing the game on hard. Um, I made the mistake of playing it through on normal, and by the time you get about halfway through the game, I would say it, be- it starts becoming really easy. Um, but I played a bit on hard mode and found that it's a lot more satisfying uh, when the enemies are a bit more dangerous and a bit more capable of dishing out damage, and they seem to like focus attacks a little more strategically uh, in you know to counter uh, the things you're doing. Um, and it reminds me a lot, a lot of um, Paper Mario because, like, all of the attacks require very specific types of input, so you're always kind of engaged with it. Um, like you know, timing stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of timing. There's a lot of like, oh well, twirl the joystick and then press a button when the character lights up or something. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got a lot of fun things like that to keep you engaged. You don't ever have to grind because like enemy levels are always matched to yours. Um, so it's, it's just a really pleasant RPG experience that's got great writing and, uh, like, I feel weird saying pleasant because this, yeah, is, I was sa- gonna say, this, <laughs> this is South Park we're talking about, but it's actually a really good game and I'm really happy with the time I spent with it. Um, it's like, you know, it's best game I've played so far of 2015. There you go. Put that on the back of the box. Woo. Back of the box. It's pleasant. It's pleasant. It's really pleasant. Yeah, it's a good, yeah, it's a good game. If you see it go on sale or something, uh, I would wholeheartedly recommend grabbing it. Uh, yeah. I know that game That's was cool. like that game was like um, under Ubisoft first, wasn't it? No, that was uh, oh, THQ. Who was it? THQ. THQ. Yeah, because I was I was gonna say like like the game having this whole glut of side stuff sort of reminded me of THQ for a bit. Um, but no, that's not, or not THQ, but, uh, it reminded Ubisoft. me of Ubisoft for a bit. Um, but actually like, you know, all the side, fun, all the side missions in, uh, that game are really fun. So, um, yeah. It was, it was Ubisoft that rescued it, right? Mm, yeah. Are, yeah. That's, are. that's where I was getting, uh, you don't have to, you don't have to install you play to play it. That's good. So big plus <laughs> there on uh, the steam side. I wouldn't be surprised if Matt and Trey actually pushed for no, <laughs> for no fucking you uh, play, because uh, they seem to be really knowledgeable of that kind of stuff, and I guess they can gauge the waters on things like that. Um, but yeah, good game. Give it a try if you ever get the chance. Uh, you know, if you if you're a South Park fan or ever were at some point, you know, have at yep. it. Wait uh, for yeah, the I, re- I really like that structure kind of RPG. Just kind of is it kind of feels like it's kind of going after that like just the just with the um, time to attack stuff and the cute battle system and stuff like that. It sounds kind of pleasant in that sense. Is when I get the pleasant. Yeah, it keeps yeah. you engaged. I like that it's not just like selecting items in a menu. Uh, you've actually got to stay engaged with it. You know, your attacks will completely fail if you don't do them properly. So there's no, you know, getting lazy behind the controls unless you're playing on easy or normal. Um, but if you want, to, you want a good challenge, play it on hard. It'll be harder, but, you know, you'll feel a bit more uh, rewarded from the gameplay aspects n- instead of just being rewarded because the cutscenes are funny or the character interactions are good. 
Yeah, I just like that it sounds like, as you said, there's no grinding, and it's not like some 50-hour epic. Like, Yeah, this RPG. game is about 12 hours or so. Yeah, um, RPGs just put me off now because they're so long. Like, that Persona game you were playing, like, ugh. Uh, I, I, I fired my 3DS up. Uh, a few days ago, and that game was in there, and I saw that it was in. I, I like that was like the icon that popped up in the top left of the slot. That was, was like, oh hey, this game's in here, and I just kind of like turned the 3ds off and casually pulled that oh, out God. and put it in, put it in its box and put it in the hey, if somebody wants this, you can have it. I heard someone say Persona Q is like a sitcom video game. It's a game about nothing. Yeah, except Seinfeld's good. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's basically all I've been up to. Other than that, I've just been kind of busy. I've had a lot of stuff going on, and, like, allergies have wrecked the shit out of me this past week. I didn't have a voice yesterday, which is why we are, which is why we didn't record the last two days. It's because, well, you've got to have a a voice to podcast, as it turns out. That's really helpful in the process. It might be the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, it might be. It might be. I Um, mean, there's makeup and looks and, Obviously, and I've got that down fucking clearly but um yeah you need that whole vocal cords vibrating thing <laughs> to happen and as you can tell i'm starting to lose it now uh i'm starting to like blow my voice out a little bit Uh-oh. um i'll be fine um but um with that we're going to turn to my immediate virtual left and we're going to talk to mr john thire and ask him what the hell he's been up to yeah i wanted to go before we <laughs> I was going to let you because once Rhett gets started, we're going to be here another 27 hours. Yeah, I'm just going to tune out, you know. Take a nap. <laughs> I yeah. plan on it, trust me. Well, all right, are you all ready for this? I'm ready. I'm, I'm buckled oh in. <sighs> okay, okay. I beat Super Mario Brothers 2 as a lost levels. Hooray! Yeah. yeah. How do you feel after that? <laughs> I think that game's fucking dreadful. The game's terrible, it's not fun, it's just an evil ROM hack that is balls. It doesn't suck as much balls as Fantasy Star Online 2. Probably not, no. No, it doesn't, about, it's... Hmm? What about Final Fantasy 2? Hmm, I would... They yeah. seem kind of on the same vibe. <laughs> I would definitely rather beat myself over the head in um, Super Mario Bros. 2 than I would beat myself over the head in Final Fantasy 2. I made it funny. I get it. <laughs> I don't... Oh, wait, like in Mario hitting his head against the bricks? No, no. In yeah, Final, yes, in, exactly. Yes. In Final Fantasy 2, oh, okay. you have to beat yourself up to gain levels. Oh, yeah, and then in Super Mario Bros. 2, you have the break. Oh, I get it. Okay. I follow. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, like, I... It's basically, it was like 1 o'clock at night... And I sat in, I took a hot bath and read, like, a really nice essay or something. And then, like, fell asleep in the tub and woke up and just felt, like, amazing. And I was like, I know, I'm going to go beat Super Mario Brothers 2 at, like, 3 a.m. And then I played it. <laughs> just, uh, I warped back to where I had stopped. And I used the 128 lives glitch. And I went and beat the game. And then posted on Twitter, like, this is terrible. I hated this. <laughs> I ran out of infinite lives! Oh, yeah! No, that was the... Yeah, it must have been the second night. It was the same day. Like, earlier that day, I got to World 8, and then ran out of, like, my cheated, ill-gotten lives. 
That's and absolutely crazy. I didn't realize that that could happen. I didn't realize someone could be that bad at a video game. Ooh. Oh. I'm just really... saying I, I don't think I would need 128 lives to beat Super Mario Bros. I don't Brothers think I have 128 lives. I didn't want to, like, overflow or something, so I just kind of stopped. Yeah. Probably with, like, 70 or 80 or 60 or something. Hey, Polly. Yeah. What's up? That, that sounds like an idea for a stream. Oh God! What am I doing to myself? Why would I do that? That sounds like that sounds like a great idea for a charity stream. Hmm. <sighs> but yeah, it's, it's not only is it like really bad, it's like really bad in like a specific <laughs> way. Like Super Mario Brothers Two is exactly the game they wanted to make. Is the weird thing they just nailed it? They nailed what they were going for. <laughs> you were spot on with your shittiness. You made this piece of shit just like you wanted. <laughs> That's so admirable, you fuckers. <laughs> so, John. God. Can you explain to me... Yeah? Why you like I Want to Be the Guy and hate this game at the same time? <sighs> well, I want to be the guy who has infinite continues and more frequent okay. checkpoints. That's a pretty um, fair point. Yeah. But I don't know. I need to go back. I, pro- I might go back to it to decide if I still like it. Since I, it's been like five years or something. Um, so I don't really know how I feel about that nowadays. It's, it's, I like it. I certainly like it just like academically. But I liked this game before I played it. Because so. Mario 2 <laughs> has some of the same tricks where it's like, by the way, it's a poison mushroom, or by yeah. the way, this warp zone takes you back to World One. Cause fuck you. Or by the uh, way, here's a block over. Here's a block when you go for that fucking jump. Uh huh. You know, I think the reason I like one of the guy is I think those are the best moments in Mario Two J. Not because the game work because it works, but just because they're funny. And if the game was structured in such a way that you could actually laugh at yourself. If it gave you the room to laugh at yourself, like I want to be the guy does with the infinite continues and more frequent checkpoints, that is absolutely think, not Mario Two. That is not Mario Two. Mario Two doesn't. Mario Two is just kind of enjoying watching, making you suffer. <laughs> it it's it really is just kind of we use the word sadistic a lot with game design, but there really is a particular pleasure it's taking in fucking you over that I don't really look at as being. <laughs> admirable from a design perspective at all. I don't really like it because you can if you're if you're like a hu- a person with a sense of humor, you can play. I want to be the guy and have a decent time. Just like oh, I really wanted to get by this part and then it killed me in this way that wasn't expected. Like there's there's humor there if you can have the f- mental freedom to laugh at yourself. <laughs> but Mario Two doesn't really give you enough space for that, and it's not funny enough for that. I want to be the guy is way, way funnier than Lost Levels. I just want to say that one part in Mario 2 where you reach the same, like, negative one warp zone twice in the same world. That's fucking hilarious. That's pretty funny. That's really good. three different paths, I think, I read to that warp zone in that level. That's really good. really funny? (laughs) It's like the one high mark we can give that game is that it trolls the player really fucking good. Yeah, it, That's ju- the it one... just needs to do it more, I think. It either needed to do it more, denser, or just, um, I don't know, give you like a million lives that you, when you continue, start at the start of the level instead of the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe every 20 coins gives you an, an extra life. 
Yeah, like, something like boom. that. You could just hey, so every twenty coins gets you an extra life. Have a bunch of extra lives strewn everywhere, and when you continue, you start at the um, and have like five checkpoints per level. And when you continue, when you run out of lives, you start being at a level, and it still sucks. But you only but, lose those checkpoints. Yeah, you only lose those checkpoints, and boom, lives are still valuable, coins are still valuable. And the game is now fun. <laughs> this reminds me of that um, ROM hack somebody did of Castlevania 2, Castlevania 2 Redacted, where they made mm-hmm. the game, like, really playable. Like, yeah. Like, like, the NPCs give hints that are still cryptic, but they actually relate to things in the game, like the the, the text boxes are faster, mm-hmm. uh, that things looks like so that. so cle- clever. And, and, it, and it's, like, it's almost like you could take Mario 2J... And do like the sort of same ROM hack that you were talking about, and actually uh-huh. salvage a bit of that game. Yeah, I think you could do the same thing with Battletoads. Honestly, like, Battletoads wants I don't to be think, funny. I don't think. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think Battletoads is all of that bad. Yeah, I think I that, mean, that game is really actually close to being great. I what? like Battletoads. I did not expect that. I thought that you were going to say that game is unsavable. No, that <laughs> game. That game is actually really good. Um, and I think that when you look at, like, the depth of things that it attempts to do over the course of that game's entire runtime, it's, inc- it's incredibly Every varied. Different. Every level is something different, and that's super you know, admirable. Yeah, it's hard as hell, and I think that, like, enemy damage needed to be scaled down. They needed to stop with the whole, like, so many things can one-hit kill you. Mm-hmm. Um which that's a trend that they never got out of. Even things like Battletoads and Double Dragon, which I think is a really good game. Even mm-hmm. those games still have a, an, an intense focus on just like one screw up and you're done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think Battletoads could have been a pretty lethal, but more focusing on the variety and focusing on intense difficulty and limited continues. Those three things together just don't mesh. One of those has has to give, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and have, the, the really like, dumb continue system as it relates to co op, uh, where yeah, oh, like yeah. one player do- <laughs> like if one player loses all of their lives, both players have to start again from the beginning of the stage, but the other player is still in the same situation that they were in prior to that continue. Yeah, that's oh. trashy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the two player in Battletoads don't do it because one, it's incompletable. Literally, you cannot complete Battletoads mm-hmm. with two players. At least, really? I think in the U.S. version, I think they fixed it. I think it's fixed in like the European version or vice versa or something. Yeah, Why it's weird. Not, I don't remember. There's a glitch in the eleventh level. Yeah, it's not, you can't beat it. Oh wow, that's amazing. It's a really uh, weird. I think it's like a scrolling glitch where you can't scroll the screen up anymore because the second player's there, and for some reason the game doesn't account for it. That's amazing. I never knew about that, that they never even actually tested it. Yeah, that, that, that never got recalled or anything either. It was just like, that's well, the way it is. Huh. That's really funny. It is really funny. So, yeah. like, And Battletoads feels really good to play, too. Let's be real. But, yeah, but, it's, it's got super tight controls. Oh, feels amazing. So, yeah, they just, like, you could probably fix Battletoads. And you could probably, honestly, with save states, you basically... Fixed most of Battletoads and Mario too, right? Basically, I, yeah. You mean just yeah, like I mean, drop a safe state at the start of a level in Battletoads and you're good. Yeah, it's an inelegant solution, but you instantly can enjoy those games with the benefit of these modern tools. I think. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. you guys. What's up? Yeah. There, there's already a better version of Mario Two out I there. I was just about it's to called, say called the fucking lost levels in Super Mario All Stars. Well, you know what. 
there's an even better version of Super Mario Brothers 2 that isn't even Super Mario Brothers 2, but it is. What is it? It's called Super Mario 2. Oh, yeah. I actually played a good bit of um, the NES, the American Super Mario 2, and that game feels so good. That is a cool-ass game. That is a cool-ass like game. game. I, I, I never really realized um, in, until recent years how much I really, really like that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only played the I only played the Game Boy Advance port, which has all the All Stars changes. Mm-hmm. So that was me. I was experiencing the Game Boy version, the NES version, for the first time, and it's really cool. Yeah, the NES version, uh, like like I said in the last podcast, I really hate Super Mario All Stars. I love the value that it has. Don't get me wrong, but in terms of its presentation, I think it looks and sounds dreadful. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially the first couple. Um, the probably the the versions that got ported to Super to like Super Mario Advance, yeah, um, with Mario Two and Mario Three are, pr- are pretty passable. With Mario um, Three, they they like like in the NES version of Mario Three, <laughs> you're gonna this, say it. This bugs the shit out of me. Okay, this is your Jeff Gerstmann. moment. This is my Jeff like. Gerstmann goddamn moment. In the original NES version <laughs> of Super Mario Brothers 3, the fucking airships had different colors. So it's like, oh, here's a blue ship, and here's a red ship, and here's a green ship, and here's a yellow ship. That was cool. They took that out of the All-Stars version for no fucking reason. I can't believe it ruins the game for you this much. It does! <laughs> to the point where I knew exactly what you were going to say. The colored oh, airships, should... man. They redrew Sonic. Now he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I I always thought they were always brown. No, the any go play the NES version. Get to World Two. The second world's ship is green, I, and it's so night weird, outside. I played the NES version like twice. All like the, through on the NES version, it's like night outside on the second ship, and like the dumb, crappy Super Mario All Stars version, it's night on every ship, and it's dumb. Oh my god, you're totally right. They oh my have god, no, this is no color, better. no personality. They redrew the ships. It's terrible. <laughs> okay. God, Mario 3 is much better. It's really good. I'm just looking at this and remembering playing this game. Mario 3 is really good, y'all. It is. It's fantastic. Yeah. That, so, that game kind of had a mystique for me because I had Mario World as a kid, right? Right. So I had a friend who had Mario All-Stars, and I, I only got to see him play Mario 3 once. And I was like, my brain had this distant, distant image of like this weird 2D Mario game that looked really cool and had airships and shit. And then I saw um, uh, Three Ninjas 2, and they play Mario 3 for like two seconds, and I was like, that's the game, that's the game, what's the name of the game? I don't know, oh, I missed it. And then, then I saw The Wizard, and it had Mario 3, and of course, in that movie, if you're like a seven-year-old watching The Wizard... Mario 3 is obviously the coolest thing ever. And, and for you, that was like three years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. I might have, and this might have all been when I was like five, because I didn't really read video game titles for a long time. So, like, as an adult, I didn't remember that Super Castlevania 4 was Super Castlevania 4. It was just that game with the whips and the pretty music and the, and the shit. And I can do the whippy, 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 And then the game with the blue robot. And I actually learned that was Mega Man X, and then we had this red friend, Mega Man R. So <laughs> I think it's funny. Like you're kind of like like in your early days, you were kind of like one of those people that can't recognize faces. It's like I don't know what games are. Just, I play the one. It's got the blue guy in it. I, I could yeah. tell you what it is though. Mm-hmm. And then the purple beetle board. 
Matthew beats up Mega Man R and stuff. Ah, so yeah. yeah, I'm a little I'm a dumb little kid, and Mario Three <laughs> is the most amazing, incredible thing ever. And like I'm a little kid with a Game Boy Advance, and I tell mom to get me the Super Mario Advance game because I think it's Mario Three, and then it's actually Mario Two, and I play that, and it's fun and all. And then like two years later, I finally get this. Game Boy Advance copy of Mario 3, and it's like the most amazing thing ever. Oh my god, I'm finally playing this weird specter from my childhood. Ah. It's crazy, isn't it? Then the same thing happened with Mario 64, which I saw once at a friend's house. Because I didn't think, oh, I can just look this up on the internet. It was just, no, 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 this is a thing that just exists somehow. This is a thing that exists, and I don't know a thing about it. And there is no possible way I could glean any more information about it. Exactly, little kids. And then I see it. I see that they have it for the Ninten- for the DS. The day I buy it, it's like, oh, this is the game. This is the game from, the- from my past. <laughs> it was just the coolest shit. Um, but yeah, Mario Two, fucking dreadful. The Japanese Famicom Mario Two, um, but also purposeful enough that you might be able to glean some some stuff of interest just you don't have to play it legitimately there's no no need to it's not really worth it is what we're saying so in defense of mario 2 i think that game comes from a weird time when sequels to video games didn't really exist and they just didn't know what the hell to do i would agree because, like, you look at sequels most of the time back then are just completely different games. Like, almost everything, like, completely reworked like, look their at mechanics. Donkey Kong Jr. Yeah. Donkey Kong 3. Those Isn't were that... all completely yeah. different. Yeah. It wasn't just Nintendo, though. It was, like, everybody. Like, the actual sequels to Pac-Man are these weird, esoteric things. Yeah. And then the Americans made Miss Pac-Man, which was the same thing, but a little bit better. Oh, definitely. So, so sequels hadn't really gotten into being more of the same but iterative so Mario 2 it feels like they just went well this is for people who beat the first one so of course it's going to be harder yeah and and to be fair video gaming at that point was kind of an enthusiast thing Mm -hmm. Um, with with, you know it didn't have quite the spread that it has today Um, and when you look at you know it's like okay if people were playing this cool new system they obviously had played Mario so why not just give them more of that and pick up and presume that where they left off is the end of Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Because I remember as a kid playing Mega Man and Mega Man 2 and Mega Man 3 and I always thought it was really weird that the first one was the hardest. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like well aren't they assuming we played the first one? Like, And that's like totally not the mentality that goes behind them at all. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. Most sequels nowadays they get easier because they're trying to be more appealing to everybody. So I think that's a rational defense. Yeah. yeah. And if if you want to play a version of that game that's playable, there's the Super Mario All-Stars one. Yeah. It okay. adds in per-level checkpoints, and it makes the mazes buzz when you go the wrong way, which is very helpful. Yeah, it's actually... Well, it does uh, seem like that, game, that version does sort of fix every single problem we've ever had with the game. Basically, it, yeah. Ex- so. Except the shitty presentation. Okay. Except yeah. it's so fucking ugly. It is. Ugh. I hate it. There are yeah, port- totally, totally worthless. <laughs> Not attractive. There's portraits of Bowser's in the castle stages. I kind of like that. I do like. Yeah. I like. I like the uh, the the uh, the castle stages. I think those look really cool. 
Okay. Uh, but I don't like the outside levels or, like, the mines thing they were trying to do with the underground levels. Yeah. Oh, weird. I can see that. Hmm. Uh, I really like how in Mario 1 and Mario 2J, the um, underground levels, you can blow up, you can beat up every single block with your head versus, yeah. um, like, Mario 3 where all of them are static caves. Yeah, it's weird how in the first games, like, the underground levels had a mechanical difference where they were entirely destructible. And yeah. Then they got rid of that for whatever and, reason. And which made the castles way different, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what you gonna do? What you gonna do? So, Super Mario Brothers 2, it's kind of poop, but we can, I guess, kind of understand it, but that doesn't yeah. in any way think, excuse <laughs> it for being... I think any black. game with that singularity of vision... <laughs> Even if that vision is awful, is probably worth examining in some way. <laughs> you know? It's a scholarly podcast you're listening to. <laughs> yeah. So I also did something else besides play dumb Mario game thing. Uh, I hope it's something fun. I did something amazing. I, w- I, did, I spent my time way better. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. What'd you do? Well, I read a bunch of Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, mm-hmm. but that's not the thing that's way better. The thing I've got is way better than that. Is this the part of the podcast where I get to take a nap and you and Rhett fangirl? <laughs> I watched, with Anna, the first season of Sailor Moon. That's a yes. It was so cool and nice and sweet. Ah! And a lot of gay. Ah! There's a lot of gay in that show. That's it's a little later. Nice. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm even less interested. There's a lot of straight in the first season, but... Even less interested. Yeah. But it does get... But yeah, it's... I'm, um... Basically, the first season is this really nice, um, cutesy, episodic show. Um, and I watched the first five seasons of Pokemon and really enjoyed ourselves. Wait. You watched five seasons of Pokemon and Sailor Moon? We watched no, no, no. We watched five seasons <laughs> of Pokemon over like the last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and most of it isn't that great, but the first season is really nice. And Sailor Moon kind of has a similar tone. Mm-hmm. And that it, with Pokemon, the first season, it has this kind of children's manga e just niceness and a couple, and it has some genuinely funny jokes a lot, and it's just kind of pleasant to watch. And Sailor Moon is that, but with characters that aren't just a single joke, kind of. Um, and just actually more and more of an actual plot and actually less formulaic than Pokemon. But they're still and, very episodic shows where, like, there's yeah. a side character that gets introduced and they have a problem and then the problem is resolved by the end. Yeah, basically, yes. So, um... The first half, especially, of Sailor Moon is a lot like that. There's lots of just like, okay, here's today's problem, and then they deal with it. Uh, But they also have this thing where they have a bunch of villains who are like, have like relationships with other people, and you kind of like them. Mm -hmm. That happens after the first season, after the first like 13 episode arc where the guy is just kind of there. But then after that, they start having these like really neat villains and um it's there's two villains 
of the four, there's like the four bosses, and they go through each one of them in turn over the main, over the whole first season. And two of the bosses are in love with each other, and one of them dies, and then that drives the other boss for the re- remainder of the show, and he's like the strongest one. And but you also kind of like him because the guy he was in love with is dead because of them, and it's just sweet. Yeah, Sailor Moon's good about characterizing the villains. Mm-hmm. Which you don't yeah, like really this- see a lot in um, a lot of older shows like that. Yeah, Digimon does it a little bit in the second and third seasons, uh, but Sailor Moon does a really good job. Is there, like, Pokemon only, like, really characterized Jesse and James once or twice throughout its entire mm. run, I think? Yeah, yeah, they didn't do a great job with that at all. There's one time, I, we watched a, one episode where they actually tried to do something and Arbok and Weezing left, and it was just like, no, you're not really selling this, actually. Uh, no. <laughs> we watched, like, eight episodes of the sixth season, and then we were just like... We're done. That's I, it. I, I, That's I will it. say, though, That's that I, I would still have sex with either Jesse or James. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. That sounds about right. Just saying. I'm just throwing that out there. No real reason. Just thought, hey. No, no. I think Internet needs to know that. Mm-hmm. So the real reason to that I was initially intrigued in Sailor Moon is that Revolutionary Girl Utna is basically my favorite thing um, that exists. And um, Kunihiko Ikuhara did, uh, I think he directed the second and third seasons, maybe the whole show after the second season onward. And he apparently had a huge creative influence on the third season, which, and a lot of those influences were later seen in Udna. So I'm really excited to see the show get Ikuhara-e as it progresses. I think if you're expecting like his really kind of out there directing style, you're going to be disappointed. It's kind of a middle ground between his stuff and the formulaic Sailor Moon. Yeah, that's what that's what I expected. I, I'm not expecting it to really be Ikuhara, just that it's um has hints of it, you know. Yeah, and that's kind of exciting to see how he would progress from the show where he didn't have a lot of creative control. He was built into this rigid formula mm-hmm. that's also that's still super pleasant and enjoyable. And then uh, goes from there into stuff like Utna, and then eventually Penguin Drum, and then Yuri Kuma Arashi, or Lesbian Bear Storm, <laughs> I think. I, I see a lot of people tweeting about that, and it's just, what? First we've got Polar Bear Cafe, and now we've got Lesbian Bear Squad? Uh, I don't, I don't yeah. think those are very similar. No, no. I think Polar, isn't Polar Bear Cafe just like this cutesy, like... It's actually a polar bear. Yeah. And he runs a no. cafe. No. I don't think you can really... I don't think... I guess Lesbian Bear Storm does describe three key elements of the show, as well as... It's actually Love Bullet, colon, Lesbian Bear Storm, or Lily Bear Storm. <laughs> and, like, all of the characters have Yuri in their names. Just fantastic. Uh-huh. And I think there's only three dudes in the whole show. And I think they're supposed to be, like, canon, not have any sexual interest in anybody... So every single relationship, every single love relationship, everything sexual relationship is between women. And it's called Yuri Kuma Arashi, Lesbian Bear Storm, Lily Bear Storm. This and seems we- really fan service e- Yeah. They're bears. Yeah. How could that possibly be fan service? They're not actually, well, they don't look like bears. Oh, they, they don't? Take on, well, they, they no. alternate. They t- alternate between looking like bears and then looking like humans 
because they're bears who have been gifted with supernatural intelligence by um, an alien meteor shower and are now trying to eat humans. So the humans build up a giant wall around their cities to protect them from the bears. And eating the (laughs) humans... Is this Attack on Titan? (laughs) No, I was going to say, is this a metaphor for gay marriage? (laughs) Um... Well, I'm not sure. They they literally do eat people, I think. But I'm not sure that it's literally, literally eat people. (laughs) In... In that we, we see them, like, kill somebody and eat them. But on the other hand, is it is it really what they're doing? Uh, it's very complicated. After Penguin Drum, I just give up and be like, sure, it's all symbolism. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. So they're... It's eating people and then put... They, the bears eat people and then put giant quotation marks around the eating to see whatever that may turn out to be. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just, that's where they that's he started with Sailor Moon and then went to this. <laughs> Why not? I mean, that's typical. Yeah. I think that's your trajectory right there. I know, right? So I think Penguin Drum um might have been less accessible than this show is, honestly, but uh I really like Penguin Drum a lot and I need to revisit that show. And I've watched it like 5 times and Anna's watched it like 3 times and it's just Perfect. Well, I have a show you should watch. Actually. What should I watch? <laughs> you should watch uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena. Oh, sorry, sorry. I sorry. hear that that's really good too. You guys might like that. Utena, 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 Utena. All right, Utena. So yeah, um, that's Sailor. That's my very eloquent thoughts about how Sailor Moon is cute so far, and Sailor Moon R seems cute so far. We watched about ten episodes of that, and it's good. Uh, and they're aliens in that one, which is great. When I was like, when I was younger and I saw that it was named Sailor Moon R, I was like, oh, this is the one where it's going to get like real bloody and shit, isn't it? Because I thought it was like, oh, it's rated R because I'm a dumb idiot. No, that's, that's not what it means at all. There was never Sailor Moon X. No, no. Uh, and I'm really, so basically I'm watching Sailor Moon so I can get to the really, the darker weird series um, S and mm-hmm. up until then it's still really cute and the finale to the first season is just bonkers emotional oh man I was just like weeping but I basically cry at all children's media like we saw <laughs> pa- we saw Paddington the other day and it was really good and I was just sobbing the whole time because like, it's just a bear who's alone and he wants a <laughs> you are more emotional to me. You are more emotional, and I'm the one on hormones. That's crazy. <laughs> and then I watch Sailor Moon. It's like, no, Mako, you were supposed to go out and get the cool boyfriend after this was all over, and now you're dead. And then all of the other ones die, and then she meets her mom and her boyfriend dies and he says now you can go get a cool boyfriend and that's just like oh no mamaru and then oh who's, man who's the guy that gets like impaled by a tree impaled by a tree i think that's venus no he's one of the four villain guys oh 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 that's um oh man that's the second they all have noah's sight kunzite oh Kunzite's yeah it's the Junzite. 
they're it's like the minerals. second, the second one. Yeah. He gets impaled by a tree. He falls in love with a human, and then they kill him. And then the third one just fails. So then the queen kills, kills him, and then his lover blames Sailor Moon for making him fail, and that drives him for the rest mm-hmm. of the show. Yeah, and I just. Re- I just remember the show airing at like five thirty in the morning when I was younger. Yeah, I, I like all of my Sailor Moon knowledge is pretty much dust at this point because it was like nineteen ninety five, nineteen ninety six when it was on mm-hmm. around here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I should check out the manga. Kind of seems like it might be enjoyable. Um, the manga, heard, yeah. it's very different because like it ditches all of the Monster of the Week stuff. Oh think, wow, that may I be think, more enjoyable. It's much faster paced, but it's like the four generals kind of become the monsters of the week in that version. Dang. So it's Dang. like it's dramatically sped up. Like ev- like all the arcs kind of have that structure of there being like the big bad and then the several generals below them. But in mm-hmm. the anime, they gave the generals a bunch of monsters of the week, and that's not in the manga at all from what I've seen. Oh, wow. So that's it goes weird. Characters die that, much that, quicker. <laughs> that would go by really fast and be... Really, yeah. There's only 18 volumes of the whole manga, which covers all five seasons of the show, which is like 200 episodes. Yeah, I mean, season one is pretty stretched out to be 50 episodes. That's crazy. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, and it gets shorter as they progress. I think the last one's like 38 or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sailor Moon's cool, and U- Utena is <laughs> literally the best thing to have ever existed and probably ever exist in the future i should watch it at some point huh uh well eh. you can just watch the movie (laughs) no 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 though (laughs) even the the utana movie is is pretty neat um anna hated it she what we watched about 10 minutes of it and she just couldn't couldn't handle it because uh the animation is really different a lot of the ways they um present the characters is really different oh god that reminds me of um the, uh, like I didn't really like Martian successor Nadesco. Mm-hmm. They did like a shitty movie after the fact. Oh man! Oh my god! Like everything was terrible. Like all the characters had completely changed, and like nothing was interesting about it at all. Mm-hmm. So like any bit of like anything that I could stomach from uh, Nadesco um, was squandered even more by the movie. Mm-hmm. Can I go yeah. really off? Can I go really off topic for a second okay, here? As long as I can bring it back to Utna. Yeah, <laughs> Polly, have you ever seen the Escaflone movie? No, I is an Escaflone yeah. movie. Yeah, I, I watched the series and I hated watched the it. series with you, and I just absolutely <laughs> hated it. Oh, really? <laughs> and, oh, I loved Escaflone. Oh my god, watch it again and see how wrong you are. <laughs> oh my god, that show is. Sh- Shit on a shingle. It's shit in it a bucket. Is? It's shit on a on a clock. No, I don't. No. It's shit. It's shit on a rock. It's shit on a rock that projectiles back up into you somehow. That show just don't, moves. Don't it just keeps going from and going, and it just. I remember just blazing through that in a couple days because I just was really excited about it the whole time, and it has a bunch of these neat characters. The only and they show. All go their little journeys, and they have these cool mecha fights. The only show I would say is worse would be Kitty Grade. Oof. Eureka 7. Oof, that show is bad, bad, bad by virtue of content and by being 50 episodes, but I would still just, I hate... What? 
Yeah, what? Eureka Seven is fifty episodes. No, we know that, but you would you would rather watch Eureka Seven than watch um? No, I wouldn't. Fucking Escaflowne. Oh, okay. I, I I wouldn't. Like, there were a lot of things that I would rather do uh, than watch Escaflowne <laughs> again. Like like take my hand. I don't want it anymore. I don't have to. If I don't have to watch Escaflone, <laughs> you can have my hand. I have no idea why I haven't rewatched that show. I have it on DVD. I don't hear the do dub's it. really good, too. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> so, so, anyways. I, no, Escaflone. I didn't watch the movie. I've been told that it's good, but it's just like, Wait. I don't care about is these it good? characters. Read? Is it good, Reed? Because I who like Escaflone. You, who told you the movie was good? <laughs> you did. You wanted me to watch it. You bugged me for like four months to watch it. I did? Yes, you kept really? telling me to watch that movie. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, you. What? <laughs> unless you were trying to fucking troll me hard. That may have been it, but given good, how much you loved the series. Good lord, it's like, like, I'm glad the DVD box set that I borrowed wasn't mine. I'm just, I'm just gonna say that. Mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm glad it wasn't mine, because, yeah, <laughs> that, that shit would have just been... Oh, also, Escaflone is really pretty. They have all this really nice animation, and it's all, like, cell animated, I think, normally, uh, traditionally animated. I think it's one of the last few has, shows that was. And it has um, a soundtrack by the Cowboy Bebop lady. Can so, I talk about the yeah. movie? Go for it. So the movie is a remake that redoes all of the animation and character designs. It looks completely different from... What? So a lot of people actually really, really hate it. Weird. It's this weird, like, two two hours Cliff Notes version that, like, eliminates most of the villains. Like, huh. I don't I think, think Isaac Newton is the villain of that series. But, like, yeah, they don't he, really say it directly. He's not in the movie. The main, oh. the main villain in the movie is, like, the guy's brother, Vaughn or something. I, I forget. I need to watch the show again. And, like... Delando is in the movie for like ten minutes, maybe. See, like, uh, like Delando was the only thing I really liked about Escaflone, and I would have yeah. just hated that movie even more. They wreck him in the movie. Oh, yeah. With Escaflone, Escaflone was kind of like Gan Kutsuo on the Count of, Cross, Count of Monte Cristo show. I watched it through in like three days and loved it to bits, and I, but I watched it so compressed that I don't really remember it too well. Yeah. Um, both of those shows kick ass. This movie has an amazing soundtrack, though, also done by Yoko Kano. Oh, uh, that's Yoko like Kano. I that's the one saving that. grace. But I was just kind of mentioning that as a thing where the as an example yeah. of an anime movie being really different from the source or the mm-hmm. TV series. Yeah, basically, the Unna show is like this. So obviously, Ikuhara loves to go can go like completely bonkers with his material. Uh-huh. And and he can make stuff like Lesbian Bear Storm and Penguin Drum, where he just kind of can be having a good time with himself. And it's it's really good. I really like that aspect. But Utna, he's like it's like really restrained in that sense and just like has this kind of conscience and conscious of what it's doing. And the ending is like this really powerful, moving set of symbols that all together and come together in this really beautiful, heartrending, amazing way. And then in the movie, Utna turns into a car, <laughs> and they drive out of the city while being chased by a giant castle. And this sounds good. This sounds like my kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. So. 
the show is like suffering and anxiety and pain and but dealing with all of it in like this really beautiful honest way and it comes together to be like this really hopeful thing (laughs) and then the movie it kind of gets to the suffering in like the first 10 minutes that's like a really big surprise in the show that this one character we've known the whole time has just been suffering really deeply um, since the very beginning and they just kind of get that out of the way and then they have a bunch of weird symbolism stuff and then they do the car they have a mat there's a car wash and Utna goes through it and turns into a car and drives Anthe out (laughs) and also Akio who is just like this really intimidating presence in the show um, is just like basically a joke in the movie like he falls out of a window and dies like and he's on screen for like two minutes and then he shows up as a ghost in the ending it's been a while since I've watched this, but like this character who is just like this really strong presence who just makes the show and he's just kind of this just joke character in the movie and it just goes off the rails in a very different way. So I can absolutely understand why a lot of people wouldn't really like the Utena movie. Utena movie. <laughs> um, I enjoy it. I think I enjoy it for what it is, but again, I've only seen it once, but I think the show is really, really obviously better. <laughs> like, I don't think there's any question of that. Do you think the movie is like Ikuhara having too much control to just do whatever? I don't think it's him having too much control. I think he might just be having a little too much fun. Uh, yeah. I think maybe, I don't think they, I don't think they were like holding him back or anything while making the show. I think he probably was just, he told that story and then he was like, okay, now I can maybe be a little less restrained, maybe do something a little bit sillier. And it's really fun to watch (laughs) as a result. Or maybe making something that's all about suffering and depression and then having to make a movie afterward, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe we need to lighten the mood a little bit or I'm going to go jump in front of a truck. Well, with Utena, it's weird because it really isn't that dark of a show or dreary of a show. It condenses all of that into like a few key moments that then resonate deeply throughout the rest of the show, which is itself pretty upbeat. Um, it's not anything like, say, Evangelion tonally. It is almost all, it has lots of just up episodes that are completely upbeat. Uh-huh. And then it will contrast that with a really harsh moment that kind of undercuts the rest of the show. It's not like, it's not a show like, uh, Psychono that will just beat you into the ground. <laughs> no, no. When I say the suffering, um, suffering, 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 it really isn't that. That's really, it really only explodes into those, it really only releases all of those really strong emotions in the last um, 15, 20 minutes, maybe the last episode. And before that, everything is just kind of broiling underneath the surface because there's a ton of repetition in Utena, which makes me think of Sailor Moon because it's a very, very much a show that relies on ritual and repeating the same symbols over and over again in di- slightly different contexts. Uh, so then it just kind of all comes together at the end in this really powerful way, whereas... Um, a show like Saikano will just Saikano, Saikano, right? Saikano, 
Uh, we'll just start happy and then get bad, 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 bad. Oh, worse, worse, worse. Oh, awful, awful, awful. And then, then everybody dies. Yeah. And Evangelion will have light. Will be pretty dreary, pretty fucking dreary. Oh wow, that was dark. Oh, that's dreary. Oh, that's dreary. And now you're the only person left in the world. And now crayon drawings. <laughs> and now crayon drawings by abused children. <laughs> Literally. Lovely. Oh, wow. Ava's dark. Ava's, Ava's dark, but that sure still fucking holds up. Oh, yeah, that's fucking good. Oh, it's good. Um, whew. Yeah. But, yeah, Ut- Utena is really good. Seeing, um, because all the genre that Utena, Utena kind of comes with, the magical girl stuff, there's so much of it that starts with Sailor Moon. Like going going back and thinking about Madoka after watching Sailor Moon is mind blowing because of everything that got started there, or at least is really visible there. As far as I can tell, the magical girl stuff was around before Sailor Moon, but that was where it really got mixed with like the Sentai Power Ranger superhero yeah vibe. And, and I that's think before obviously- and I think before um, Madoka, you can trace it back to uh, Nanoha. Nanoha, which uh, which like I think that that's sort of like I think that's sort of like the two thousands resurgence of trying to get magical girl thing going again. I see. Was that good? I don't know anything about it. Uh, The second season was good. Neat. So, but you kind of you kind of have to watch the first season in order to understand (laughs) some things in the second. Okay, they did. They did movie remakes of both seasons. I thought the first the first remake was really good. Oh, was it? Mm. Yeah. Mm Hmm. So it's funny, like, you can watch Sailor Moon, and it's just this completely hopeful, upbeat show, and that leads into Sailor Moon. And then you go back and, like, watch a Gundam or something, (laughs) and seeing how something like that leads to Evangelion. It's like, oh, I can trace this progression. I can trace both of these progressions pretty naturally. Um, But yeah, Sailor Moon is cool. Uh, we might we might just stop watching Sailor Moon and start rewatching Utena at this point, though. Oh, jeez. Um, oh god, yeah. Anime is good, y'all. It can be. It, anime used to be good. Yeah. Whatever. It's no, it's good right now. We have Lesbian Bear Storm. Obviously, I, well, and, uh, yeah. a new season of Durarara just started. I guess. Yeah, that's so, cool too. I I, 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 I want to watch that, but I'm too lazy to mm-hmm. like track down subs and like, whatever it's mm-hmm. it's a thing yeah you you said um something read about seeing the gifs on tumblr and wondering if i thought uh, it was hentai i literally thought yeah it was- <laughs> and wondering if and wondering if it might be a wee bit exploitative <laughs> um, i saw these gifs of naked anime girls hugging i go oh right what's this <laughs> and then you're like, oh it's just that ikuhara it's that penguin drum uh, I, I felt like lied to like Aww. it's his show it's not hentai fuck uh-huh so obviously that could be very exploitative obviously. just having a dude making a show about lesbians and having lots and lots of nudity and lots of stuff um tv edited nudity obviously but um so i'm not really sure if i'm qualified qualified to have an, a, a strong opinion on whether or not that is exploitative <laughs> um it's anime of course it is so i'm just kind of what i'm basically doing is just enjoying it myself and then a 
A, I basically trust the show because it's the guy who made Revolutionary Girl Utena, where just, oh man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He made that show, which probably has one of the best, like, feminist messages of any piece of art I can think of. And so I just kind of trust him more, even when the show is very exploitative on a surface level, than I would like something like Kill a Kill. Like, I really enjoyed <laughs> watching that show, but it's harder to argue, no, this isn't exploitative. It's got a strong feminist message when it's the guy who made Gurren Lagann right before that. Right. It's like, no, actually, maybe, maybe people have a point when this, they say this show makes them uncomfortable. And if some, and there are people who are saying that Yuri Kuma is making them uncomfortable, and that's really, really valid. Um, but I'm just, I'm really enjoying it as it is, and I'm going to stick with it because I really trust the author to take it in a strong direction more than I would trust, say, the uh, creator of Gurren Lagann. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Definitely. Absolutely. So, yeah, anime. It's cool. Anime. It's better than Sailor Moon. Yeah. And the conclusive review is that Sailor Moon is much better than Lord of the Rings books. Wow. They just operate on the same level, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I see virtually no difference. Yeah, I know. I mean, that part where Minako threw the ring into the volcano was amazing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or the part where Makoto was like, you shall not pass. <laughs> And they both just got dragged down into the moon volcano, and oh! And then Snape killed Dumbledore. Yep, <laughs> that happens in Lord of the Rings, right? Mm-hmm. With the rosebud. Yeah, that's it. He just beats him up with a sled. That's what I thought. So, John, is that about all we have from you? I think so. I think I'm pooped out. I could probably talk about Ushina <laughs> forever. Just we'll have a special podcast cool. just for yeah. You. Let's have it. We can have a special if one of you, if I can get one of you to watch it at some point. Then maybe we can have a special podcast. Oh my god! At, at this point, um, I imagine that'll be our lowest-rated episode. <laughs> yeah, like at the this point, anime episode. As far as I can think of, I've probably absorbed like before probably the piece of art that I had absorbed like the most trivia and tangential details about from reading about it and watching it over and over again and, and playing it over and over again was probably Chrono Trigger. Quite that's obviously, probably, that's probably still true, but. I feel like Utena's kind of maybe pushing for that spot where I'm just like, this is the thing that I n- know the most about. <laughs> Utena Maniac. I was going to say Pokemon. Oh, no. I, I definitely care way more about Crown Trigger than po- Utena than Pokemon. Well, John, I'm glad you seem to be enjoying it, and I look forward to future updates. Cool. And now we move over to my immediate virtual right to the man Hi. of the hour. Rhett, how you doing? You still with us? Still with us. Are you ready to talk for the next hour and a half straight? You think it'll take that long? I bet it will. Better crack my knuckles because here we go. All right. What you been up to, dog? I watched some anime. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ooh, tell us about it. I watched Kora no Densetsu second season. <laughs> For you Americans, it's also known as the Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. Did you get the sub version? No, I, I'm actually I'm actually watching. 
Come on, watching the English dub. dub? Fucking oh, casual. God, dude. <laughs> so All how's right. the Korra thing going for you? So season two. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So as I mentioned last episode, when I asked people, what do you think of this show? Should I watch it? I got a bunch of responses saying I dropped it at the end of season two. And the thing I was most worried about this show, given how negative the reception to it was going, had been, I was most worried about this show being boring. Mm. Like Avatar was an action show with some comedy. And I kind of, for some reason, I thought Korra was like going to be a trick where you have this strong female character and she's really energetic and kind of violent at times. And I thought it was going to actually end up being a really talky and boring show. It's not that at all. So, so, <laughs> yeah, because the worst thing something like that can be is boring. There's yeah. a difference mm-hmm. between bad and boring. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Korra season two is the most anime thing I've seen in a very long time. (laughs) And there was one parallel I couldn't help but notice at the end. Have you seen a little animated film called I vs. Pi Episode 150? Yes, I have. Would you believe that the ending of Season 2 of Korra is that? Are you serious? It goes balls fucking crazy at the very end. <laughs> she turns I was just... into a blue giant oh, no, no. spirit. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. Oh my god. Please stop. Oh my god. The bad guy obtains the ultimate power that he wants and turns into a giant purple version of himself. <laughs> what? <laughs> Walks from the South Pole to the main city, which is like a near the equator in like 10 minutes and just starts punching buildings and stuff. (laughs) So I'm sitting there laughing like, well, this is pretty stupid. But then Korra, who has been defeated and like sucked of her good energy, meditates and somehow gets it all back and then turns into a giant blue version of herself, (laughs) goes to the the main city and starts punching the dude. (laughs) So it turns into this like... The Godzilla monster movies, they're, like, fighting in front of the city. Like, the water is splashing everywhere. And then one of the other characters who had, like, learned to meditate through the spirit realm or whatever shows up in the middle in, like, this golden light, which somehow weakens the purple dude, and then Korra defeats him. And I'm like, this is so fucking anime. Also, I made this movie, like, five years ago. Yeah, you made that. It's very similar. Oh, yeah. Wow. It is that uh, level of stupid. Yeah. And I, don't get me wrong, I love stupid, but man, this really felt out of place for Cora. Given how kind of serious it takes itself up to this point. Oh my god. It was man. really funny. <laughs> how about those Avatar 1 episodes though? Yeah, they're okay. Oh, I thought they were, I really loved those. Those were those were some of my favorite like Kind of just energy wise, those are some of my favorite episodes of um, that universe. Mm-hmm. I think I think my problem with those is that they kind of felt I felt like they rewrote the rules of that universe a little too much. Yeah, it makes sense. Like Korra being the v- reincarnated version of this one specific spirit, and then the bad guy trying to get the spirit of the dark spirit who's going to destroy the world, but then. 
oh, I'm seizing power for myself. Like, mm. it got really cheesy. Oh, uh, let's not – let's definitely not arguing that when all that stuff comes into play in the main yeah. show, it's fucking dumb. Yeah. But just in the context of the standalone two episodes centered around a brand new character, yeah, um, if, if those it works were, really well. If I those think. were like the first two things you watched of the series, it might work better. Mm-hmm. Like if you watch those before Avatar, like edit it down to just sounds like a weird OAV or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah, it's this weird OAV two episode OV, OAV thing. It's literally like a prequel that takes place like ten thousand years before the rest of the series, like out of nowhere, and they just stick it right in the center of the season two. Like yeah. the, everything else just stops because like at that point, by that point, nothing had really happened. Mm-hmm. And they just have this completely way better show come in. <laughs> so I, I've been kind of a shithead, I think, because I kept like railing on the show when I don't, when I hadn't watched the two best seasons. So, well, I'm just going <laughs> to basically just say that I didn't like the second season and just leave it at that. <laughs> but I like these two episodes a lot. Just the end of that second season was just, wow, you guys are really just mm. going for it. Just we anime now. <laughs> yeah. I, it wasn't so much just that as it was like the yeah. whole season felt kind of joyless and boring yeah, to me. Definitely. Like I said that last week, how season two like killed the motivation. Like it started to get boring for me. Mm-hmm. Just the characters and what they were doing wasn't interesting. Yeah. And I think realistically probably the real problem with season two is that the villain just kind of sucks oh god yeah where in season one you have this really strong ideologist who wants like he's a terrorist and he wants people to be equal but of course he's doing it through violent and shitty means Mm -hmm. and then the the villain in season two is just i'm a japanese rpg villain i want (laughs) to destroy the world because power like he has like no real motivations that are interesting it's really dreadful i saw like this big tumblr post that was like like drawing um pointing out how all the core villains are just good ideologies taken to extremes equality turns into terrorism um um, a desire for freedom turns into anarchy a desire for order turns into fascism and then desire for spirituality turns into this guy because they tried to like fit this stupid ass villain into their pattern and it didn't work at all it was really funny you know what's even weirder is they they actually call that out in season four like where i'm at someone oh, really? told Cor- yeah they straight up tell you to cora like well the first villain wanted this he was an equalist but he went bad and then this guy wanted he unlocked the spirit portal, but then he went bad. And then the third villain went blah, 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 and, but then he went bad. Because he wanted uh oh god, I can't even remember the season three villain already. Oh. He, he, wanted, he wanted to take town governments because he was an anarchist. <laughs> mm-hmm. He wanted freedom, I guess. I, I guess my, like, philosophical objection there is kind of the same as South Park, where it's like, if all you're saying in your show is... Wow, these pe- don't have a have an ideology, but don't take it too far. Like, what do you really? What does the show really stand for? Yeah. I guess. Like Avatar, it at least says, "Hey, the Fire Nation is evil. They're being evil, and they're doing bad things, and you can't do that." And Utana says, Aki- it it <laughs> takes a long time to get there, but eventually it says, "Hey, Akio is evil. This guy is a fucker." <laughs> 
Everything about this is bad. You don't want to be like this. It's taking a stand against something. It's taking a stand against what Akio represents. And mm. Avatar takes a stand against the Fire Nation. Star Wars takes a stand against the Empire and shit. And then mm. Korra is just like, well, uh, but don't, don't, don't be too, don't, don't believe in anything too hard, too much. <laughs> it's wishy-washy. Yeah, it seems wishy-washy. I, I like a show to like, I like a piece of art to like, take a stand, believe something. Yeah, that was the weirdest thing in season one was how the villain seemed ideologically fine at first where he's like, I want people to be equal. I'm an equalist. Mm-hmm. But then he really just kind of wanted to genocide and kill all the benders. Yeah, which exactly. It was not good. He was not. They never actually address any of the problems that these people bring up. Like if people are feeling oppressed for some reason, they don't just fix that. They just, they don't fix that. They just beat up the bad guy at the end. Yeah. they really And then didn't. things go back to the status quo. Yeah. So, Thinking about it more, that was pretty shitty. <laughs> yeah. I Really, I wouldn't have been as negative as I was if I didn't really hate how season one wraps up. Like, I just really kind of rolled my eyes at that whole conclusion. Because basically, throughout the show, Korra, at least the first two seasons, Korra is really shitty <laughs> to everybody. Especially <laughs> in, like, the second season where she just, like, threatens to murder people. Like, she threatens to murder a judge because she doesn't do, he doesn't give the verdict that she likes. So she, like, puts his head <laughs> in a polar bear's mouth and says, you better go change this. Wow. And it's like, wow. Gal. You're a fucker, huh? <laughs> and, but the show, but then every beat in the first two seasons is ultimately, but you know what? Ultimately, Cora was right and everybody <laughs> else was wrong. That's why she splits off from all the other Avatar spirits because they're wrong and she's right. <laughs> and that also bu- pretty much bugged me quite a bit. Mm. So I'm sorry that I'm like voicing all these That's complaints. Fine. I'm just yeah. like trying to be less like this show's piece of shit and just kind of like I'm- explain what bugged me in those first two yeah. seasons. That's cool. So uh, that's Korra season two. Mm-hmm. Did you watch season three though? You said you were in season four. Shh, you're spoiling it. Oh, okay. Polly, why don't you lead me in to what I did next? What you did next? I watched Korra season three. All right. Oh. So season three is a hell of a lot better than season two. <laughs> it does. It starts kind of slow, and I think. It's kind of weird because they raised the stakes so high at the end of season two. It just kind of felt awkward, like coming back down to uh, Earth, coming back I guess. down. Yeah, coming back down from giant avatars punching each other, Godzilla sized, and th- the threat of the end of the world, and just so Being the start like, of like, hey, here's a show about bakeries. Yeah, so the start of season three is pretty low key, and there's not much going on, but. Uh, Man, the second half of that season, woo! It gets it gets dark and kind of violent, but not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Like it, it also really kind of drops the pre- any pretenses of this being a kids' show because it wasn't like, even on t- TV at that point. It was basically yeah, I, just for yeah, enthusiasts I'm amazed. on the internet. Oh, is that when it went? Like, yeah, that show had a weird trajectory, didn't it? Because it got sort of canned from TV. They dropped the last four episodes of season two 
on the internet in one night. Wait, Damn. really? They yeah. dropped season two? They they draw they put all four episodes of the season two finale online. They basically just like said, All right, what this oh man, what can we do? Fuck it. Put it out, shove it out the door. They maybe showed it on lo- on the TV later, but they definitely didn't show the later seasons. Hmm. And yeah. Yeah. So and then they I, just sorry. Go on. Three and four were definitely screened online only. So mm-hmm. I'm really surprised that they still had the budget that they did because the fights in that show are still amazing when they go all out. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. So season two, season three really does the smart thing of kind of raising the stakes in a different way where they make the combat kind of a little heavier and not everybody walks away from fights completely fine. Because after the end of the world stuff, like it kind of became a bit of a joke. So they have a villain who's really just out to kill Korra and her friends. Which is kind of more important than like ending the world is the people you yeah. actually have in the show and care about. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I really liked season three and uh, I'm watching season four now and I'm not sure where the hell they're going with this. This is the last season? Yeah, it's the ending. Okay. Yeah, people and were like, people said there was going to be a fifth season for a little while and then they, that disappeared. <laughs> I mean. Wherever that was going. It seems like it ended pretty definitively based on, you know... Just reaction. Tumblr. That said, I don't see any hints of that thing in the show so far. And I'm pretty close to the end. I don't know where they're pulling it from. People in fandoms have a tendency to conflate things Mm -hmm. a lot. They tend to put meaning on things where there really isn't. The writers have said it's canon, though. I know that they said it's canon. I totally mm-hmm. understand that. But I think that might be them kind of just caving to, you know, this audience that kind of saved them. Because this mm-hmm. show aired only online, you know, it had to have yeah. generated that money somehow, and it had to come from those views. Mm-hmm. So it might have just been throwing a bone to those people. Um, because if you're not seeing it, you know, subtly or overtly... Um, it's yeah. not even subtle. It's just they literally don't have any scenes together. <laughs> yeah, so it's just kind oh, of weird. But like I said, that's when you get into fandoms and you read things, and it's just like people kind of like take things and run with them when there is nothing. Yeah, I'm just so far. I'm surprised how nothing there is. Like, yeah, I don't see any hints at all. It does seem kind of cynical. <laughs> like, let's do this. The, the the first show, um, Avatar, the good one, the really good one, I mean, um, was there basically no romance for, like, most of that show. But then, mm-hmm. like, the second half of the last season, they ha- introduced, like, a number of relationships, and they end the show with the 12-year-old and his friend making out. <laughs> That's the last <laughs> shot of the show. And it's the tackiest, dumbest thing. And it has to, I think, supposedly it has to do with just a bunch of people in the fandom like really get into the make believe romances and the writers being like, Oh, I guess we have to write this into the show now. And it seems like that did not work out well for avatar. And I think it seems like it really not, not specifically the last beat of Korra, but throughout the whole show, there's all this kind of wishy, like Mm. he said, uh, like that, like, will she, or will they, or won't they They, romance stuff? 
they really toned that stuff down in season three, thankfully. That's that's good. Because it's, it's really overbearing in season one and then season two. It's really painful there, yeah. Season three, there is romance, but it's between the side characters, so it's much less forefront. Obnoxious. And, and there's no drama either with it. Mm. It's just these two characters like each other at the end. Yeah. The one good thing about the season two finale is that they just, like... Um, Mako and Korra are, are just go, yeah, I don't think this is going to work out. And then yeah. they just maturely decide, hey, this we're not meant for each other. And then they don't, uh, apparently don't worry about it again. Yeah, that's, there's like a couple throwaway scenes in the start of season three where there's obviously awkwardness there, but it's, it's mm-hmm. natural. Yeah, yeah, that was like the one like mature thing about that finale, I think. And I'm glad that they just left that in the dust. <laughs> Yeah, because, oh man, the romance stuff in season one was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty dreadful. I said that it was uh, Kate Lost Levels, and you didn't disagree, so that tells <laughs> me that tells me all I need to know. Oof. Yeah. So yeah, season three, thinking about it now, probably my favorite one so far. Definitely. That's cool. But, man, I was... Very surprised when they started having characters die in fights. Oh, man. That is yeah. pretty cool. There's one death that I like. They kind of censor it a bit. Like, you don't really see what happens. But then when you realize what happened... Uh-oh. Character may have lost their head, kind of. Awesome! Oh, <laughs> man! Oh, by the way, spoilers. I, did, I didn't say who. No, you didn't, but I think that it's funny to say spoilers yeah. now since we spent an uh, hour spoilers? and a half spoiling things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope season four wraps up nicely. It was Dumbledore. Cause... Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the funniest thing about the, some of the shows I mentioned earlier is that you could exactly say, like, what happens in the Utena finale, and it wouldn't really spoil yeah. anything because it's all, like symbolism that doesn't make sense out of context at all. Wait, she turns into a car? God damn it! (laughs) Shit! Ruined! Ruined! She's being stabbed by swords? A lot? Symbolically? But not really? So, yeah. Up to anything else, Rhett? Yeah, I played some video games. Did you? Are you, Are you still on your journey of playing every video game ever made ever? That journey is very difficult because they keep putting free stuff on PlayStation Plus. Really? Yep. Are you reaping the fruits of that? I'm reaping some fruits of that. Uh, I played Infamous First Light. Do either that of you is, know what that is? <laughs> that, I know that that's a standalone sort of DLC for uh, Infamous Second Son, isn't it? That is correct. It's interesting that both like Infamous Two had a DLC as well that was just standalone, and it seems they're like doing that a lot with that series. Yeah, there's a few other series that have done the standalone thing, like Far Cry Three had Blood Uh, Blood Dragon, uh, and Assassin's Creed did the. uh, Oh yeah, Freedom Cry. Freedom Cry. So I guess it's a little more common, but I just remembered like Infamous Two had one, and that was the first case that I remembered of it. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't actually played any of the other Infamous games, mm-hmm. but uh, I thought First Light was okay, not amazing or anything. It certainly looked very good. Like, it was a good, hey, I got a PS4, let's see what this thing can do, visually. Yeah, Infamous Second Son was the first time I saw a video of a game and thought, that's next gen. 
Yeah. Yeah, that is a damn good-looking game. And there's the photo mode where you can kind of simulate things like depth of field or zoom in the camera in and out and Mm -hmm. make very pretty shots. And I might have had more fun with that than the game itself. Not a problem with that. But that was really neat. You can take pictures and stuff. But uh, the game itself, I felt like the first thing they teach you how to do is, like, rescue hostages from bad guys. Mm -hmm. And they teach you this sniper move that, like, one-hit kills dudes. So I never felt like I got a really good handle on the combat because they give you this really overpowered thing at the very front end of it. And then adding to it, like, the time pressure of you got to take these guys out before they kill the hostage. So it's like there's these the melee combat system and, like, the regular kind of plasma shooting lasers from your hands gun attack. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end they give you, like, homing rockets and stuff. Like... So you have a, like a lot of tools at your disposal to attack enemies with, but it, it felt comes, like it comes down to that one sniper move they give you at the beginning. Yeah, it felt like I used that way too much and kind of maybe wrecked it for myself a bit. I, I like what, um, when I played through Infamous One and Two. Uh, I know that this is just like a DLC and it's just mm-hmm. like a small chunk. I, I know that I was like using a lot of my powers in those games, and that's what. You know, even though I thought the open worlds in those games were really kind of boring and bland, what kept me, like, wanting to keep engaging with it was that the combat was really fun because I had so many options. Hmm. That's interesting because, yeah, I didn't really get a good sense of that here. I think at the very end of the story mode, like, there's so many enemies that I finally felt like I had reason to use different attacks. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I think, in, like, for most of the story mode, the problem is is that there's not many enemies, so I have enough juice to do the sniper move, just kind of take everything out. Oh, Lord, then, Infamous, Infamous 1 and 2 never had that problem. Infamous 2 had far too many enemies. Huh. Yeah, this is like, oh, here's four dudes. Okay, you took them out, you're done. Like, But then at the very end, like, there's this big kind of set-piece mission where you're, like, in a canyon and there's just fucking dudes everywhere. So... I never just never kind of got a good grasp of like, okay, I want to melee this guy and use that combo on him as I recharge juice and then shoot those guys over there. But at the very end, it started to click, and I'm like, oh, this could be good, and then it ends. It's like you know, like they made all these powers because like they want they envisioned you using them that way, but the yeah. the, the mission structures in no way set that up. Yeah, definitely. A lot of the DLC is also focused on these arena missions that. Ah. Uh... Yeah. It's like, okay, it's good, there's heart and there's enemies, and I can, like, use all the powers strategically, but just that type of mission isn't fun for me. Like, I did one of them and lasted, like, ten minutes, but then it's like, I don't want to ever do that again. Yeah. Uh, So that was, it was okay, not great. I kind of feel like there's definitely holding a lot back from the main game in it. Do you think that you're interested in Second Son in any way from what you played of this? I hope so, because, I mean, yes, but if there's more, because, like, there's just, like, no variety in, like, side missions in First Light. Right. Like, there's races where you just kind of hold up and A, or not A, but the circle button to run, and you chase little shining lights. It's kind of silly. Yeah, those are... Those have been in pretty much yeah. all the infamous games. And then there's just collectibles, and then that's, like, it for side missions. Mm. Oh, and there's, like, graffiti stuff. Like, it's really kind of basic, bare-bones stuff. Yeah. Like, 
hopefully, I would hope Second Son has more side missions. Well, I meant does 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 First Light make you any in any way interested in Second Son? Maybe less interested, honestly. Oh, I see. Because as far as powers go, it was pretty simple. Like you can punch dudes, or you can kind of fire a machine gun from your fingers, or right. you can sniper. Like yeah. there weren't really any neat powers besides like one super move that you can do like every ten minutes or whatever. Hmm. So, like, what kind of powers do you get in? the earlier games you get like a force push that you can like just use to push shit away and like cars and enemies just go fucking flying you get sticky grenades and all sorts of fun shit and like the the way the powers work sort of change depending on your alignment mm-hmm. whether you're good or bad so you know like um like a good guy grenade would like blow enemies up but it would also like strap them to the ground so that they could be apprehended and mm-hmm. kind of crazy shit like that um I'm trying to remember a lot of the other ones. There's definitely, you know, you definitely got the default machine gun from your fingers kind of thing going on. (laughs) And there's definitely, like, a sniper kind of move. Um, But I guess a large part of that game to me was, like, using all of that in conjunction with, you know, how well the character moved around the world. Um, And Mm -hmm. I've heard that, like, Second Son's, like, traversal isn't quite as good. So maybe that's another part of it. But, um, yeah, I seem to remember, like, just a lot more variety in the powers than what uh, you said about uh, First Light. Yeah. As soon as you said, like, force push and pushing cars, I'm like, oh, yep, that's nothing like that in this one. You can pick up cars and shit, too. It's great. Yep, nothing like that. Yeah. It was, that's, oh. yeah the first game, especially, I think, uh, it sort of dries up by the, the halfway point. I wish that game was half as long as it is, but... Um, I really had a great time with that game. Infamous 2, uh, it just kind of got annoying after a while because they just overload every mission with so many enemies that it just gets frustrating to a point. Um, but Infamous 1, it's pretty good. I got it for free, so I'm not going to complain. (laughs) The best price. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so if Second Son goes on PlayStation Plus, which I imagine it will eventually, I'll definitely check it out, but... cool. This has maybe tempered my expectations a bit. Even though I know there's more powers, like he has the neon and the smoke or whatever. Yeah, he gets, like, I think three different kinds of powers in that game. Yeah, and she's she just has neon, the mm. girl he plays in first Actually, play. I don't think he gets neon. Like, the neon stuff is exclusive to her. Oh. Well, it's not very interesting. All it's, right. It looks it, pretty, but that's about it. It's a gun and rockets. All right. Uh, I played a little bit of Stick It to the Man, mm-hmm. which is, it's basically 2D Psychonauts. Oh. I just, I'm probably not going to finish it because it's an adventure game and that's not really kind of oh, my thing. All right. But it's just, it's really charming just in how it looks and animates. and. Yeah, I really being, like the look of that game. Yeah. Very interesting kind of Paper Mario meets 2D Psychonauts. Yeah. And probably the funniest thing that it does is when you have a mind-reading ability. So when you press left trigger to enter it, ambient voices just kind of start coming out of your controller. Oh, that's weird! It's It freaks you out the first time you do it. And then when you actually start mind-reading somebody, like the voice comes specifically from the controller. That's freaking cool. 
Yeah. I like when games can do shit like that. Like, I always liked that in No More Heroes, like, when you got a call on your uh, cell phone, it would come out of your Wiimote. <laughs> I always held it up to my ear. I did, like, too. Oh. I thought that was awesome. I loved that. That was great. I did that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Those games were so good. Were they? I like them. I still like them. <laughs> I recently, um, when was it? No, uh, I want to say about February or March of last year, I played through them both again, and still, I still really like them. I never. Ooh, that's cool. I, I own the first one. I just never actually got around to. I played like three bosses and enjoyed myself, but didn't stick with it. Mm. I Nifty. liked this. I liked the second game, but I never finished it. Oh, it's not that bad. You should give it mm-hmm. a go. You should finish it sometime. So, that's, so that's Suda Fifty One. Um, what did he make that was like? That uh, might be too big of a digression, actually. Yeah, let's let's, let's <laughs> yeah. Let no, continue with uh, Stick It to the Man. Too much. Uh, I mean, I didn't play a ton of Stick It to the Man, so I almost took this off the list of stuff I t- played. But no, way to just, waste way to waste everybody's <laughs> time. Apologize I, I, to the listeners right now. I'm sorry, listeners. All right, good. I'll tell them you like, won't do it again. I won't. I will do it again. Oh, <gasps> motherfucking little rebellious shit! <laughs> Unforgivable. You little scamp, you. I, that's why I keep you around. Oh, I'm not fired? <laughs> no, no, John's fired. Oh, okay. No Johns. No Johns. No. Uh, I played Contrast, which is another that's freebie a, play. Yeah, that's a free... Man, that was like a free when the, the that PlayStation was the la- 4 came out. Yeah, that was one of the launch ones. Yeah. Re- Resogun. I like what I've seen in this game, uh, but I've heard that it kind of does not hold up on that initial promise. So oh. I, I remember seeing a trailer for this on Steam mm-hmm. shortly before it came out, mm-hmm. and I was like, holy shit, that looks amazing, and I almost pre-ordered it. Mm-hmm. And you know what they say, you should never pre-order a game. Never. Because uh, Contrast is not very good. At all, yeah. Uh, I've heard that so the whole con—I've heard the whole concept really just falls apart, and it's kind of a buggy mess. I didn't have much problems with bugs. Maybe they because may I'm have playing. patched that by by I now. Am, but. Yeah, playing it a year later. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, it's just kind of dull and boring, mm. which is—I know it, I it, wanted it to be I, good. Yeah, I was hoping. I was hoping against all hope that maybe you would say you liked it so I could go to Steam and buy it. I would not do that. <laughs> then I shall refrain. One of my so one of my first complaints is that the trailer I saw had this exciting jazz music and it seemed like a really energetic game and then you play the game and there's like ambient music in some places but there's no actual like stage music. Right. So sometimes a lot of the times when you're doing puzzles it's just silent. And it's just, mm. this isn't the game I wanted. I felt like it was going to be something else. Like, mm. I thought this was going to be much more of a platformer than it actually is. Yeah, it like, mm. the first, like, like, I watched somebody stream it a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked like a puzzle platformer from, like, the initial few moments. And then it quickly turned into something that looked like uh, just kind of a 3D adventure game. A lot of it. It's kind of both of those. Like, it feels like it could be a platformer, but the platforming is like really basic and bad, and doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Like the main, most of what you do in the game is that 
you manipulate things in 3D mode when you're running around in the 3D space to make shadows, and then you kind of line up things correctly, and then you go into shadow mode and hop along the wall, and then that's the puzzle solved. Mm-hmm. It's like there's not really much platforming at all in 2D, and there's oh. no like sections where you're switching before to avoid obstacles or whatever. Like, And a lot of the problems is that because... It's dynamic platforming where, like, there'll be parts where, like, there's a light source and you've got to move this table or something closer or further from the light in order to make a platform shadow on the wall. So, like, when you're dealing with that kind of stuff and, like, you s- basically your character is very slippery. Like, if you make a slope, like, if, if it's at the wrong angle, you might just fall off of it or yeah, something. Yeah, And it's just... Nothing ever really feels like it comes together quite like it could have. There are some interesting moments, but like the whole game is almost like that was interesting, but now we're moving on to something else. Like there's parts where like you hear audio logs, but then it'll make a shadow of the characters talking on the wall, and then you platform off of that. Yeah. And that's really neat, but then it's like a 20 seconds in the whole game, and you go, well, you can't build a whole game off that. What's next? Nope. <laughs> so it's like this one gimmick that they get to use maybe like twice in the whole thing. Oh. Yeah. Really bummed to hear that. Yeah. The last area almost felt like it started to sort of come together and then the game ends. And by the way, the game is really short. Yep, I like, heard that as well. Like sub three hours. Oof. Really short. Oh, I would not recommend buying it for 10 bucks or whatever they're charging for it. And then the story is meh. Yeah. And there's so much focus on the story in chapter one that I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to get to play the game. (laughs) And then when you realize, like, oh, by the way, that was a third of the game, and we're not going to stop with the story stuff. Like, just meh. Like, there there are flashes of ideas... But then, like, nothing comes together. Or when there's a good idea, it's like, oh, that was a good two minutes out of this game. That's... Uh... And I wanted to like it, but I kind of wanted a different game. Like, more of a 3D platformer that was yeah. exciting and energetic and not... Mm-hmm. Puzzles. Uh, so, moving on the PlayStation Plus queue, I played Strider, the new one. Was that good? So, so Polly, so Polly, you've made your thoughts on this game known. Yeah, I I reviewed this game last year when it came out. I was a dummy head and pre-ordered it. Oh, <laughs> cuz I I make great <laughs> decisions. Uh I think that was probably the last game I ever pre-ordered as well. <laughs> but my god, I've it's so boring. It's just it's hardly even worth talking about because it's that just fucking anticlimactic except like the first five or ten minutes feels so good and crazy and then it's like all right now i'm gonna be a slow ass boring slog so here's a question what's up you played it on normal didn't you Mm-hmm. so i played this game on hard and i really liked it what oh i quite enjoyed twist. the new strider what <gasps> are you what <gasps> I did. <laughs> okay. Can we cut this part out? I, I don't know anything about 
Strider, so this isn't actually as much of a surprise. <laughs> okay, ex- explain to me! Explain, explain to me! me. <laughs> I just liked it. I mean, I'm not sure how else to qualify it. It's So I played on hard, and it starts really hard. Like Yeah, because you have no health, uh, no, and you have you, no health, no abilities. Like, if an enemy with a machine gun gets you, like, they'll you get you for, like, over done. half your health, and, like, you die. So it kind of set up this expectation for me where, okay, you got to play careful, you got to sneak up on guys, you got to duck their shots or jump over them, and that kind of carried through the whole rest of the game for the most part. Like, where I think on normal the game just becomes extremely mindless and just running up to en- enemies and just mashing X the whole time, uh-huh. like... Where normal mode becomes too easy, I think hard mode kind of becomes a good middle ground. A good normal? Yeah. And some of the bosses, like, will still kill you and stuff until you learn their patterns. How did you feel about that last boss? Okay, the last, last boss was really fucking stupid. I hated the last boss. It was terrible. So... I got to the last, last boss, because, you know, last boss has two forms, so we're specifically yeah. referring to the last one, which has yeah. the zero gravity stuff, which, oh. is a ni- which is a fucking nightmare oh to control. Oh god. I went, I, so I get, get through the whole game on hard, and then I get to that, and I go, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I died twice on him until finally figuring out, like, okay, how do I cheese this to do as much damage as possible? That's what I did. So the answer ended up being, like, the fire kunai. The fire kunai. Oh, good. I'm. No, see? Strategy. Yeah, I, I had to use the same technique because there was no way I was going to win a fair fight with that motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, my God. On hard, it's like that laser would just, like, one hit you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, fuck this. Why? Yeah, so that boss was not great. I had to figure out a strategy of just, like, hiding in one spot until yep. he slammed the claw down and was jumping up and throwing the kunai at him. Yep, that's I what actually- I did. I actually took one of those phases out in, like, one cycle, though. Not th- bad. they were so much stronger. And then, yeah, the very ending was not great. But for the most part, I'd say the bosses are one of the weaker things in that game. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they have incredibly weird boss pacing. Like, there would be long stretches with no bosses at all, and then, like, two in a row right next to each other. Yeah, yeah. Like, you kill the second Gravitron, and then, like, two rooms later, fight the Mecha Gorilla. Like, what? Like, yeah, and then there is no third Gravitron because nope. <laughs> that was so weird. So I'm not going to say it's not a game with problems, but I think it was a lot better than I kind of expected it to be. I think I would have enjoyed that game more if it was like I don't if it was more stage focused. If it wasn't just this back and forth, you know. Yeah power-up finding thing. I'm not going to use the word Metroidvania because we're going to outlaw that. <laughs> but I think what? that that structure just, like, made that... Like, it compounded how boring I found that game. Hmm. I think one of my biggest issues with it is actually that the music is extremely quiet. Yeah, you can't hear it at all, and it's actually pretty good. So, like, halfway through the game, I just set, like, the sound effects and voice to, like, 40%. Just so I could hear the fucking music. Yeah, the music is really good. Because I'm, like, at the boss fight with, like, the giant tank guy. Like, the Russian general jumps mm-hmm. in this giant tank. And I'm like, this should be exciting. Why is there no music? So I just put everything down until the music felt like an appropriate level. Yeah. And so that helped my enjoyment of the game a bit. Yeah, yeah. Good soundtrack. Yeah. 
I think visually kind of interesting looking game. It felt like they were kind of going for that bio- bionic commando rearmed thing with like very kind of simple textures. Mm-hmm. It looks a lot like Shadow Complex to me. Oh, cool. I haven't played that. So yeah, it felt like Bionic Commando Rearmed was kind of like the goal of this as far as a remake goes. Yeah, it can definitely see the inspiration. But it definitely didn't quite meet it. No, it didn't quite nail, like, if that was their, like, you know, if that was the bar they set for themselves, they didn't quite get there. Yeah, but I think it's harder for me to pinpoint, like, what really was wrong with it. Because, again, I also enjoyed it a lot. Because it's just, like, more little problems, like the music is too quiet, or some of the environments are kind of boring, or... I think most of the environments are really boring. I thought they got better towards the end, like the science lab and then the airship were neat. They're all right. Yeah. But yeah, it is kind of hard when towards the end of the game, like I got back to the initial area mm-hmm. and that music kicks in. I'm like, oh yeah, what the hell happened to this game? This area was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then you land in Russia and it's just kind of dull and you're running through subways. Yeah. And there's not enough enemy types, definitely. Not at all. Like, there's all the enemies you meet at the start of the game, and then there's the kind of zombie versions, and then there's some bugs, and I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, look, there's a turret. Yeah, turrets. Yeah, it was a game that had problems, and the bosses were meh. Yeah. Boy, that that last area, though like the tower before mm-hmm. the last boss is fucking ridiculous on hard mode. Oh god, that that was balls fucking hard on normal. Yeah. That so, that area drove me insane on the, like like I, <laughs> I just I wanted to quit that game at one point because of like the final boss plus that area. That area was nuts. It's just like, hey, here's every conceivable combination of enemies we could think of. In the most annoying patterns possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I liked it though because I wanted a challenge. So right, I ended right. Up, ended up using like the ice beam, the whole area just to yeah. free stuff, just so I could get some breathing room. Yeah, you have but, to really. And then that elevator ride it was. Oh god! I got to the point where I like memorized all the enemies because I died on it like four times. Yeah. But then at the very end, when those two kind of mega spider <laughs> things pop up. <laughs> Yep. Was just like, I don't know what the fuck to do here. And I eventually kind of figured it out where there's one of the options that blocks missiles. Yeah. If you use that, it kind of blocks their grenade shots as well, I think. Mm -hmm. So that allowed me to barely scrap by with like a sliver of health. Like, yes, I fucking made it. And I think, oh, you know that outlawed word. uh, The original Metroid is Mm -hmm. an interesting game because... I think it makes you want to explore because it's really difficult. Yeah. Like, you want you, to get more health and you yeah, want to get more missiles. You have a reason to better yourself. Yeah. And I think Strider on hard, at least for me... Kind of invoked that same feeling. Yeah, because I wanted to get strong because I died so much early on. Mm. And I found all the health capsules. It was like, okay, well, I can't get any stronger now, so got to deal with it. Also super weird that they lock you out from the rest of the game once you enter the tower. Yeah, I know. Which is like the really game gives stupid. you this big <laughs> pop up warning of like, yo, if you go in here, that's it. You're not getting back out. Are you sure you want to go? 
And that's super weird because then there's all the collectibles that you miss and like there's like challenge missions or something. I haven't played them yet, but that are also collectibles hidden in the world. And then even when you beat the game, it's like, okay, you still can't go back. I'm like, what? Really? Yeah, that was just like, that makes no sense at all to me. It's just like, once you, you've completed the game, you can't go back in and redo it. Yeah, that so that was a bummer. But as a whole, I'd give it thumbs up. Yeah. Different strokes, different folks. I mean, I, I've kind of had my time with that game, and I don't think that playing it on hard would really do much for me. No, I don't. Wouldn't go back to it, definitely. Nah. Mm-hmm. What's the good Strider? What's the uh, well, not good Strider, but what's the um, what's like the Strider that everyone remembers that made them want to make a remake game in the first place? The arcade game. Yeah, the arcade, the arcade game. game. Strider Two is really good. That that got a really great port on uh, PlayStation One. Um, only problem with that port is it gives you infinite continues no matter what, so you kind of have to like pace yourself and be like, oh, I'm only going to use see. a couple. So, gotcha, Strider, and then the um. Jeff Gershman was talking about how great the NES one is. And he was so wrong. I laughed so hard when he got proved wrong. Oh, that's really, really funny. Don't. Cool. What about the Genesis one? That's the other one I played. The Genesis one is uh, the the arcade version. It's pretty much as close an arcade um, port as you're going to get. Okay. But I can just play the arcade version if I I want. I would definitely play the arcade version. All right, cool. Yeah. Strider... Aren't there any more bad sequels to Strider, though, besides those? Isn't there, like, a different Strider 2? I think there something? is a different Strider 2 on the Genesis. Uh, oh, yeah. That's yeah. that's really that, funny. I've never played it. I've seen video and thought, this just looks like that awful Blaster Master sequel somebody <laughs> did on Genesis. <laughs> I'll stay oh, away from this. God. Yeah, Strider kind of got to a weird point, though, where it's like, there's more bad sequels than good ones. Yeah. Strider Returns. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That's funny. So, and then, on the PC side... You decided to play an easier game. Yeah, something much more chill and relaxing. Yeah. I I played Volgar the Viking. You're just working your way through my game of the year list, aren't you? (laughs) That game looks neat. The game is awesome! It's okay. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) So, this showed up in a Humble Bundle... And it wasn't something I had planned on really picking up myself because I'd seen LPs of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a game that, like, once you know the levels... You're, like, you're going to be... like, Yeah. You're, not you're at have... a huge advantage. Yeah. So I ended up getting through the game relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, like, five hours played on Steam, which is, given how hard people make this game out to be felt like oh yep that was yeah that game took me about 12 hours uh, complete blind so yeah having having seen like stages two and three played beforehand really helped yeah that would definitely help and just having like the mindset of like how to go slow and like the weight of your jump and stuff yeah but uh god there's that one lava section i think it's four one Mm mm-hmm fucking drove me nuts because <laughs> for the whole most of the game it's actually kind of forgiving where if you get hit you don't yeah. just immediately die but then that lava section where you're hanging on these ropes and like oh yeah i know where you're at the jump momentum is just so specific and if you if you make any mistake you're just one hit killed yeah no matter what armor level you have mm-hmm. but yeah that game was pretty good it wasn't as hard as i thought 
it was going to be based on kind of the reputation. But but again, has. you you have through osmosis yeah. kind of absorbed a lot of that game. Mm-hmm. Now do new, now do Path of the Valkyrie and get back to me. No, see, Path of the Valkyrie pissed me off because you've got to do stage one without like getting hit or anything, and just after trying that like three times, like I can beat this stage easy. Yeah, but getting, getting the spirit is pain in the ass yeah and like it, it i think that i really hate that a large part of that game is walled off like that uh, because yeah. i like when i finished it i definitely wanted to play more but i think that just the sheer level of craziness that you have to be to reach that level of play it's just like i, I don't have that in me and i don't have enough patience for this game to want to do that yeah it's the it's a massive jump yeah where you you go from beating the levels to, like, beating them without getting hit, period. Yeah, it's just kind of absurd, in a way. Yeah. And I just think that there's so much content to that game that I haven't played, but I want to. just really bums me out. Makes me want to, like, see if there's any kind of cheat engine solution to keep you on the path of Valkyries. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's a good idea. Oh my god, that's a good idea. Just we'll have to look the, that up. We'll have to just look find that the up. variable and be like, give me 99 of those. Those yeah. little orb things. Huh. So wait, um, back backwards a bit. I think in Lost Levels, in the Famicom version, there's one world that you only get if you beat the game without warps. Mm-hmm. And then there's five more worlds that you get access to if you beat the game eight times in a row. Yeah. Yeah, the Lost Levels got rid of... That's yeah, really, they got rid of that requirement. That's and you just, really you just, funny and dumb. You just go yeah. from nine all the way to A, B, C, and D. Yeah. God. God, that's so weird. I guess Bulgar is kind of following in that tradition a little bit. Also, just ghouls and ghosts with its... Yeah. I think Volgar is a much better game than Super Ghouls and Ghosts, though. Oh, cool. That's neat. <laughs> I think that, like, even with, like, the small amount of tools you have at your disposal, they're all really useful. You know, your shield mm-hmm. actually works. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the spears are fun to use, and I like that they're incorporated in the traversal quite a bit. Yeah, you can climb with them. There's a like a all of the those thing, tools you have are used like really precisely, and it's yeah. really it's a game I noticed that, that just playing it right off the bat. Yeah, it's a game that ha- you know it has its tool set, and it makes really good use of them throughout you know all of its stages, and I really like that. That's really cool. Yeah. So after beating Volgar and kind of going through the thing where it's like, oh, I want more now. What you can do is, if you can get through, I think, World 5, like the Skyship one, mm-hmm. if you can get through that with one of those Valkyrie tokens, yeah, there's like an entirely different last level. Yeah. So I did that one, and then was like, okay, I guess I can be done now. That's ending B, I want to say? Yeah. Yeah. So in the normal ending, you go like through the tower. Yeah. And it's really weird, because there's a ton of checkpoints. Yeah, it's there's a ton of checkpoints. The encounters aren't that bad. Yeah. And it's just like, here's all the enemies. They're just in a little different of a configuration, and it's really easy. Yeah. It was a weird kind of anticlimactic. Well, not anticlimactic, but it was weird because I got through like five or six rooms without dying, and I'm yeah. like, am I going to have to do all this again, or is it just checkpointing every time yeah, I found check- out? Yeah, po- it checkpoints every room. Yeah. So that was really surprising. But then when you go for ending B, you climb the tower from the outside. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. It's totally different, and there's only like two screens or one checkpoint, like yeah, the, one hard checkpoint. The hard checkpoint you typically get in the middle of a stage. Yeah, 
But it's like a totally different level because the whole thing is about like putting your spears down and jumping up and being really careful where you jump. And yeah, I really like That's that That's cool as level. shit. It's too bad. It's really weird that they went so hard with locking off the Path of the Valkyrie stuff. Yeah, because I've played uh, stage two and three, I think, of the Path of the Valkyrie, and I like the alternate versions they did because they they the the enemy encounters and like the stage geometry are just way different. Yeah, but they still kind of look like the same oh, yeah. stages. It's it's the same visual theme, but they're laid out a lot differently. Mm-hmm. I like that with the last stage; it's just completely different. It's a completely like, different stage. Except for the fact that it has, like, the same reused enemies from everywhere else. Right, right, right. But just conceptually, like, you're go- going straight up the entire stage. And then on when you get to the last boss, instead of, like, walking into his room, you mm-hmm. jump through the fucking window. Hell yes, you do! That's awesome. Yeah. But then you don't get, like, the golden sword before that fight when Aww. you do it that way. I see. And then I guess if you do the whole game on Path of the Valkyrie, there's the last stage. Yeah, but- there's another ending. Not gonna see that. Nah, unless unless like yeah, you know, I'm not above cheat engineing something like that. <laughs> so wait, how does it work exactly with the Path of Valkyrie stuff? You have to power up completely uh, in a stage and uh, not get hit at all. Okay. It's like if you get the Golden Sword, which is normally the max power up. If you get two more chests after that, and then a third chest will have a little purple spirit thing. And if you take that into the next stage, it gives you the harder version. If you want. But you're but also then, limited. But then those also become a lives counter, so you have to keep getting them, or it'll kick you back to the normal versions of the stage. So you have to do all five levels like in one go, basically? Yes. Oh. And you can't die that much, because you now have a lives counter. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, it's a bummer. So what I did was just, I did the fifth stage, got the little thing, and then went to the last stage and got the alternate version, which gives you mm. the big ending. That's cool. Which, which is weird because I think the Skyship stage is probably actually one of the easier ones. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I thought the balancing was really weird. I thought stage three was definitely the hardest. Okay. Yeah, I'll probably go back and finish that play that game again, though. Just because I, yeah. I enjoy what I played of it. It's... I wish they had just done normal and hard modes. Yeah. Like, just get rid of all the nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, even if, like, hard mode had, like... A lives counter. Yeah, you've got ten lives or whatever, and or then you have to restart from the very start. I would be happy with that. But, oh well, it was a good game. So, speaking of super difficult platformers, I played one more thing. Oh, shit. Uh, you, you, whew. Lay it on me, because I know this one is just going to rock the ages. Let's go. This game, hardest thing I played the whole time. Probably Duck the it. last five years. Oh, maybe, man. Maybe the hardest game I've ever played. Oh, damn. That was DuckTales Remastered. Oh, shit! The hardest game ever! <laughs> that game so, is boring. Uh, that game makes a really poor first impression. And it never gets over it. Well, okay, so here's my story. Okay. I have heard a lot of negative things about this game, about the cutscenes and the difficulty, and I'm like, fuck that. I just beat Volgar the Viking. I can handle DuckTales. Mm-hmm. So I started on normal. <laughs> <laughs> so I go through the tutorial level, 
no problems. Go to the Amazon, and then there, there's this one section underground where it's like if you bogo, pogo bounce too high, you hit the ceiling, and you've only got like three bars of health at the start, and I died. And I died like three times, and I'm like, oh, now I have to restart? Fuck that. So I went back and did the game on easy. Oh my god. And part of and part of when I say this game makes a horrible first impression is did they have to have so many cutscenes in the Amazon level? That's not just the Amazon level. But it, that, I think the Amazon level is the worst because there are eight coins you have to get. Yeah. In this tiny little area. And each one stops the game and has the characters talk for like 30 seconds at least. Oh. And it's just like... Even if I do this again, like the threat having the threat of a lives counter was just like, nope, not putting up with that in a fan service game. Yeah. When I, when I could just go play the NES one and have a much better time. Yeah. I just kind of wanted to see this and kind of get through it. Yeah. So the funny thing is that easy not only removes the lives counter, which would have been enough. It has then damage. It, it also halves damage. And then as I got through the game, I found like, the permanent health upgrade, so I'm like, oh, yeah, that's how this game works, shit. Yeah, you get, uh, I think it's, what, seven hearts by the end? I had six, but at that point, like, it doesn't matter because nothing can kill you when you're also taking half damage. Not at all. But I just think for the pace that that game moves with the constant cutscenes, lives just seemed like an incredibly... It's just there because, hey, it's an NES holdover. I guess it just seemed incredibly that, out, that out of place. That game is so slavishly dedicated to just being the most boring <laughs> note-for-note recreation of that original game. Yeah, the level design just didn't really work whatsoever with what they wanted to do by making the levels kind of stretched out. Yeah. Where instead of just going to the end now, you've got to get eight coins and then talk to this dude and then go back up this way. Yeah, that's the only difference, really, uh, because, like, uh, the NES game only had one or two instances of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, DuckTales Remastered has, like, some kind of dumb objective, multi, you know, it's like a multi-item yeah. fetch quest on every single level. Yep. I think the... What's the mountain stage, like the third one? Um, Himalayas? Yeah, Himalayas. Was it? I don't know. Whatever. One of them worked pretty well. It was like there were mine carts and it had a very kind of straightforward level layout, but the rest of the levels were just like running in circles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then I was pretty feeling pretty stupid about having played it on easy, yeah. given once I realized like, oh wait, like you get way more health by the end and oh god, this is way too easy. But then the last level happened, and the very oh, ending yeah. of that... Oh, that is crazy. The very end of that, where you're racing against the lava... Yeah. I was so glad I did not play on normal at that point, because I fell like ten times. Cause yeah. It just... Yeah. Like, what the fuck was that? I'm like, oh my god, if I had to redo this entire stage, I'd fucking throw my controller or something. Yeah. I think that level is different, too. I don't think that that is in the NES version. <laughs> no, the original NES version actually just has you do the Transylvania stage again. Yeah. Which is really stupid. 
Yeah. Is the NES one worth worth playing? I always like died and then. A lot of people will say yes, but I'm gonna say no. Okay. I don't it think is it's pretty. That, I don't think it's that great of a game. Mm-hmm. It had pretty music. <laughs> I basically just always Rangers. start up on the moon, moon level because it has the prettiest music, and then I do. You just run out of lives, and then you can't play anymore with DuckTales. Uh, I think you can read. I think in both of them, it just boots you to the level select screen. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, DuckTales, both of them to me are like, you play the Amazon stage and die, go fuck this, and then you pick the moon stage to listen to the music. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to actually play a decent game, even though it's a tad easy, just play Rescue Rangers instead. That oh, game's great. That game is. It's great. And it's got great co-op. Oh, yes. Chip and Jail's MMORPG. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you are taking me back. <laughs> Jesus the year Christ. 1999. Wow. We're old. Oh, man, don't even. You're the one that brought it up. So another funny thing about DuckTales, though, is that the whole game is kind of like fan wank. Yeah. But especially the soundtrack. Oh, God. Yeah. By my count... There are actually five remixes of the moon of the moon theme in the game. Yep. What? So there's the level select screen, or like the hub area. If you idle there long enough, there's like a hints of the moon theme in the background there. Yeah. So that's one. Then in the Himalaya stage, I'm pretty sure there's a part that kind of diverges into the moon theme. Yeah. Which is new. So that's two. Then there's the actual moon stage. So that's three. Then there's the end credits where yep. it plays the Ducktales theme. But then at the end, it goes into a, like a DuckTales themed version of the moon theme. Yeah. So it's still doing like the do 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 do, but with the moon theme on top of that. Yeah. So I'm like, boy, this is pretty ridiculous. It and is. Then, J- it is Jake Kaufman having sex with the moon with theme. The moon theme. And then after that, there is a piano rendition of the moon theme. Yep. So there's huh. five at least. Oh my god! All <laughs> right really weird like it's so self-aware that people like that song so we're shoving it literally everywhere we can yeah i think that's about it about ducktales that game's Ooh. boring yeah <laughs> way forward once again that's way forward, right knocking it out of the park that's what i was gonna say i'm sorry i'm like there's something else i want to say oh yeah it's really weird playing that game post shovel night Oh, God. Oh. Because it's yeah. like exactly what I said again last week where Yacht Club Games kind of outweigh forwarded them. Yeah, yeah. Where they made a game with similar mechanics just way better. Yeah. Yeah, Shovel Knight does the whole, like, pogo stick thing, basically. Yeah. But the weird thing in DuckTales is that you can't, like, actually do a forward attack. Like, you can only kill enemies with the pogo. Yeah. Yeah. And Which is weird because you can stand by blocks and hit them, but you can't do that to enemies. I was so surprised. I'm like, did they change that, or is it just always like this? It's this always been like we- that. That's so weird. But yeah, it, the remake's okay. I mean, eh, I just think it's boring and kind of uninspired. It's it's a weird thing. Like, it is a functional platformer. I guess. Oh, wow. That that sounds... <laughs> I mean, that's the best compliment I'll give it, is that it's a functional platformer. Oh, man. I was going to say, like, 
It's a DuckTales episode come to life, kind of. Eh. Oh, but that sounds nice. Yeah, that sounds like that sounds like something like an an avant-garde, some weirdo avant-garde games person would use as like the worst, crit, worst, most <laughs> sneering thing they could ever say as like, well, I guess it's a functional platformer. <laughs> if you're into I'm that John sort of now. thing. <laughs> you, know, you know what that reminds me of? Someone dismissing a game because it's playable. Ugh. <laughs> playable. God. Yes, y'all know I was kidding. Shovel Knight's great, and he keeps finding his—he keeps finding his way into the podcast. God, I forgot what game I was actually making fun of, or what you called playable. And then when he said Shovel Knight just now, I go, "Oh man, I can't believe he hated Shovel Knight." What the? I didn't hate Shovel Knight. I love Shovel Knight. I just (laughs) how could you insult the great Shovel Knight? How could I insult the great Shovel Knight? Triple King will have your head. That's funny. He's a trout and an apple. Yeah. Trout. No, there's there's no universe I don't think where I could just hate Shell Knight cuz it's so like self-evidently charming and obviously much better than DuckTales. It is much better than just a functional platformer. Uh, so yeah, is that all and you've I been guess up it's to? Playable. <laughs> is that all you've been up to, Rhett? No, but we've gone on long enough. Hey, it only took you an hour. That's not bad. <laughs> that's, not, that's not terrible at all. I felt I like it ta- went by quickly. I could talk about Uncharted 3 if you want. Save it. <laughs> Save it. I probably talked about Sailor Moon more, <laughs> about nearly as much. So, Rhett, even though everybody's tired of hearing you talk by now, <laughs> I do have a very important question for you. What's that? How's Early Access doing? Stealing my quotes, you fucker. You adorable little scamp, you! I'm gonna <laughs> fire John again! <laughs> no. uh, but, um, uh, we do have a fun little bit of news I'd like to go over, however. News? News! This is usually where Rhett chimes in, because he's usually the one that stays on top of this. But I saw something I thought was cool, and I'm not sure how much we'll have to say about it. It's just something I think is really rad as hell. And it's that um, the Internet Archive makes 2,300-plus DOS games playable in your browser. How cool, ah! how cool is that? That we're at a point where, like... It really just hit me, like, how far technology has come since those games were state-of-the-art and the computers those ran on, and we're just running them in a browser without a second thought. God, that's so cool! I'm really I just glad. went on the website, and one of the first games I saw was DuckTales. Oh, jeez. That's really but funny. It, I don't think the DOS version is the one you want to play. No. <laughs> well, maybe since it's John, maybe it is the version he wants to play. <gasps> It's not really playable. Dude, he played through the DOS Mega Man games. Wait, he did? He did. Why would you do that? Eh. I went through a little period in 10th grade, I think, where I was trying to play through every Mega Man game. So I found a... I just made a comprehensive list. And, um... So how do those two hold up? (laughs) How do those two hold up? Um, the first one... The thir- second one, well, the third Mega Man One and Mega Man Three. Mega Man Three feels like more complete. Mega Man One feels like this really weird, dumb thing. It doesn't feel like a commercial project product. 
And then both of them play... Both of them play kind of like DOS platformers. But. Uh, Samurai Karasu actually did uh, some Let's Plays on them, if you want to check those out. Neat. Um, but, yeah, but I I've, just think that this is really awesome in terms of games preservation, and I think that it shows we're starting to have more of a mind for it. Mm-hmm. Which is so nice. It's and even so though, nice. Even though some of these games, I tried a few games, and they didn't work quite great, but again, they're running in a browser on mm-hmm. you know some remote version of DOSBox that who knows, mm-hmm. you know. But I think that it's a great start. And it makes me excited that we're finally starting to get to a point to where we're taking this medium a bit more seriously than we used to because, you know, we're not just throwing out source code like Sega, who no Absolutely. longer who no longer has the fucking source code for Sonic 1. Oof. Oh, so- my God. Sonic the Hedgehog reference. Yeah. Ding! I really, oh I really feel like I owe a lot to DOS games, even though, like, I barely, really barely played... DOS platformers, I've made at least... I mean, you and I worked on um, Operation KATB where we ended up using DOS music and kind of going for that vibe. And it definitely feels like a DOS game. I mean, hell, the only thing it was missing was, like, footballs and sodas you could pick up for points. And And then then Fugitive, I just straight up ripped off the entire art style from Monuments of Mars. Yeah. And I was just stuck. I had no idea how to make a game that looked like that would look like enough of a game there that I could actually do the stuff I wanted to do. And I just looked at Monuments of Mars and was like, what if I made that black and white? <laughs> and I just took a bunch of the graphics and tweaked them. And then I had a game and I had, I even did the single screen at a time thing that a bunch yeah. of DOS platformers did. But so, yeah, I, I'm just, uh, you know, uh, there's a, uh, you, you can find a link to it. I don't have a link ready. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just on the archive site. Yeah, but just go there, you know, give some games a try, have a look at, like, where PC gaming was, because it was in a totally different headspace than where console games were uh, at that time. And it's really interesting, and if you want to, like, look up some of your favorite games that might have had DOS ports at the time, behold some fucking magic there. Oh, it I looks, wonder- I think um, Jill of the Jungle's on here. Uh, I believe it is. Neat. That's is Contra really nice. on there? I don't think it is. Because I don't think that was on DOS, was it? I Actually, no, I take that back. There was a, a port of Super C, Gradius, and Contra, I think, in the same package. I bet those are great. I think I've seen the Contra one. Yeah. Oh, man. Now I need to go find those. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's basically all I wanted to say about it, is everybody should go have a look at some old DOS games and educate yourself and Help us enjoy the fact that, you know, our medium's starting to get a little more of a mind for preserving itself and all of that fun stuff. Um, Anybody else find anything, or is that pretty much it? I think that's it. Do we have any emails? Do we have any email threat? We do. Yay! All right. Let's hear it. First one here, I'm going to not say who it's from. It just says, when are you going to marry me and Boner? Um, I think that might be Raquel. Okay, uh, Red. It might. It uh, might be. Let's uh, let's get your answer first, Red. When are you going to marry Boner and Anonymous? Oh, when am I going to marry them? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not ready. Oh, I think I know what they mean by this. We're supposed to have a wedding on the Sox cast. Oh, yeah. They want 
to be married on the podcast. Oh, okay. Okay, I don't think it means when are you going to marry me, <laughs> as in when are you going to be my husband and or wife. I think it just means, like, when are they going to be married on the Sox cast. Um, sometime when, I guess we're running a little low on content, but... Um, next time John takes a sick day. Yeah, next time John takes a sick... Well, he's got to be the pastor. It's he's, oh, shit. He's the only one of us that is qualified. Hmm. Uh, I, like I said, like maybe sometime when we don't have as much stuff to go over, we can throw something fun together and, you know, and freak our listeners out and give them something. I don't know. It's a fun question. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know how to respond <laughs> to that. The answer is never. Moving on. Eventually. Rhett's Rhett's making an executive decision here, so if you're going to be mad, be mad at him. I didn't say it. (laughs) Anything else? We do have one other email. All right, hit us up. Uh, This one concludes with the words, get well soon, Polly, because you've not been feeling good. Uh, The question is, which game ending did you make makes you feel genuinely happy and nice? I'm talking about the kind of happy ending that manages to cheer you up even if you're feeling down. What so, game ending cheers you up? Yeah. Ooh, all right. I can any, find some stuff here. Are there any endings specifically? Because I thought about this for a while and I couldn't really came I up with it. I can't think of a single one. Like, so I I've, just, I've, like, for me, I get more joy out of the, like, just, like, if a game's going to make me feel good, it's because I enjoy it. Like, if I'm going to play Kirby's Epic Yarn, for instance. Oh, damn it, you stole my answer. <laughs> I'm not playing Kirby's Epic Yarn because I want to see the ending. I'm playing it because I like the joy of playing that game. It's story, uh, and, you know, however it ends, that's inconsequential to my enjoyment. Like, I, I can't really think of, I can think of plenty of endings that have bummed me the fuck out. <laughs> but I can't think of an ending where, like, I'll play a game just to see that ending and for it to make me happy. Yeah. I couldn't think of any ending, so I was going to say, if we just made this Happy Place Games, in which my answer is Kirby's mm-hmm. Epic Yarn. Cause, well, God. I can do a few Happy Place endings. Y'all can name, y- y'all need to name your things first so I can make sure I have all my Happy Place endings. No, I think we're good. We- we're good. All right. Um, Super Mario Land 1 has a beautiful ending theme and it's just, you just fly away and listen to this pretty music and I'm listening to it right now and it's just like the nicest thing. But you don't have to play the game to do that. You could just go to YouTube and be like... No, you don't, but if it's at the end of a long journey and it starts out with the music that segues from the actual game and it's really nice. It's like a nice little catharsis. Right. I I get a little bit from um, Solar Striker too. Um, which has an, also has a pretty nice ending theme, but not Super Mario, not um, Tanaka. Nice, right? Um, what other games with nice endings? Hug Punks is a really good, just feel good game. <laughs> well, yeah, that, but that, I think again, that yeah. is a feel good game. It's yeah. not really just an ending that makes you feel good. That's a hard yeah. question. I know, right? Yeah, I think another game. That not necessarily from playing it, but just having seen it played a bunch, one ending that always sends chills up my spine and kind of makes me smile is Super Metroid. Yeah, yeah. I really do like that that ending. It's really mm-hmm. good. It's very triumphant. Um, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Music. And then the ending to Metroid Two, where you just climb up the climb out of the cave with the baby Metroid. 
and there's no timer or enemies. It's just really peaceful. That's really nice too. Fugitive. And <laughs> uh, and then um, Chrono Trigger. I beat that with Anna, and we just sat and wa- watched the ending and okay, cried together. Okay, you know what? I will say that there are some endings to Chrono Trigger that really do make me smile. Yeah, yeah. the um, faraway times theme. Yes, is just so that nice. that is such a beautiful theme. Uh huh. So that song, and it's just really nice. So yeah, Chrono Trigger. Yeah, okay. I will Probably give lots that, of RPGs, honestly. I will give that a nod. Yeah. yeah, I mean, lots of RPG endings are good, but it's also not like something you revisit like on a whim yeah unless you're just going to youtube or whatever yeah Mm -hmm. i mean there are like potent endings to rpgs that are like like earthbound and earthbound's ending is like it it feels i wouldn't say it's necessarily feel good the climax at least but it like definitely is very moving and leaves you feeling emotionally drained and then the actual ending where you um walk back home is and just kind of walk around the world is really sweet. You know what? Uh, climax makes me feel good and emotionally drained. <clears throat> the one I'm going to have later tonight. Yeah. So that's a masturbation joke. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> it took just the... Did you not that. get it? No, I did. It just took saying it to make me laugh okay. like that. Oh my god, life is good. I I've I one think more that's en- it. Yeah, one more, um, one more ending. Hunters. Oh. It's a triumphant and a happy Fuck ending. Yeah, and it's cute. And for me personally, that's an important <laughs> triumphant <one>. ending. <laughs> yeah. so tri- uh, overcoming tr- five years of adversity. <laughs> I think you're mm-hmm. adding years. Maybe. Maybe. It's a tall oh. tale that grows grander every time. I keep getting you mixed up with Phil Fish. I don't know how I do that. Are you <laughs> are you joking? Oh, I have another feel-good ending. It's the best feel-good ending of all of my games. <laughs> Obviously, Ant's Ants. love story. Yeah. You get Frog. the ice cream back to your ant friend, and then there's a bunch of hearts <laughs> that appear, and then it ends. You can tell we're kind of all really into ourselves and the things uh-huh. we do. You couldn't really tell. Just, mm-hmm. you know. I thought you were going to mm. say Frog Adventure. That's a good ending, too. <laughs> <laughs> Stroke my ego Not a really, Not really a feel-good ending, though. It's really a dark, harrowing plunge into the soul when oh, you yeah. think about it. Yeah. I mean, like, you go in and there's not even a final boss. I mean, think about <gasps> that. It's the emptiness of my soul, reflected. Well, there is. You have to climb up on top of it and get to the crown. It just doesn't do anything. Exactly. There you go. Like our souls. Like our souls. And you were the villain all along, really. Just like our souls of death. Speaking of souls, John! Yeah? You should, you should play Dark Souls. Does that have a feel-good ending? Definitely. Not. No, dude, it totally does. Rekindle the flame, dog. <laughs> you know what has a feel-good ending? What? Um, Utna. Utina. Oh, my God. I don't it's know if that's like, sarcasm or not, because we haven't no. watched it. Yeah, I never right. watched it's it. Really, well, it's really draining it. to get there, and then the last, like, shot is just like, oh, 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 oh. And then, and then you cry with Anna. Just like I'm going to tonight. (laughs) (laughs) 
gonna go cry with Anna. <laughs> I'm gonna go cry with Anna. Just let her know I'll be over, and then she'll make me a circle skirt, and I'll be happy. Hooray! All right. So is that it for emails? Yep. Well, I guess it's about time for us to start wrapping things up, folks. Mm-hmm. So, John Thayer, my man, tell me yeah. where we can find you at. You can find me at twitter.com slash chronomaniac. That's C-R-O-N-O underscore maniac. maniac. You can also find me at farawaytimes.com and my blog, farawaytimes.blogspot.com and my Tumblr, farawaytimes.tumblr.com. I'm pretty sure Twitter, the Faraway Times account is already taken on Twitter, else I would have changed it by now. And, and oh. Rhett, where are we going to find you, dog? I totally forgot to plug the Gen 5 list again. Well, you can do it right now. So you can, if you like PlayStation, Saturn, or PS1 games, go to the SocksMakePeopleSexy.net forum and submit your favorite list of favorite Gen 5 games. Up to I 50 games! I love Polly, are you going to do a list? I'm going to do a list, actually, yes. I hope so. I am 12 games into that list. That's good, because I'm basically holding Man. the deadlines until we get all ours in. I really like Atari Lynx games. Okay. And where else can we find you, Rhett? Uh, you can find me running the Let's Play Olympic Summer School Olympics, too. Yes, you can. Whoop. I guess because this episode's a little late, we might be on week two by the time this airs, but... <laughs> <laughs> Should be up Monday. John, do your LP. Yeah, my- John. Oh, yes, I will. Do your LP. Okay. And, and if anybody wants to join, I'll look the other way because it's week one. Yeah. Gotcha. Go ahead. Get your video in. Be Woo. part of the Cool Kids Club. You guys are going to love week two. Oh, week two is going to be so great. I can hardly wait. Do, do you remember what it is? No. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Why would I know? You're the one fucking running it. I told you like half a year ago what all the themes were. Uh, half a <laughs> year ago. Well, gee, sorry I don't remember something from such a short amount of time ago. Are you well, done this- plugging your dumb self? For week two, people voted if they wanted to play a platformer or something else. And everybody voted something else except for Tajir and John. Hi! And the people who picked Platformer are going to be happy. Yay! You'll all see. Where else can we find you at? Just around where you at? I'm here on the SoxCast. He's on our (laughs) forums, too, obviously. Uh, And I'm Polly. I'm on our forums, too. And that's it. We're out. And remember... We're the podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you.